Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Damn, They Were Good. I am your host, as always, Jed Mashu. I'm a writer for MMAfighting.com. It's a great website. The greatest website, some may say. But this week, it's a sad week because it's a somber week is really what it is. Because one of the greatest fighters of all time, the legend, the king of Rio himself, has laid down his crown and stepped away from the sport of MMA That is right, Jose Aldo Jr. retired this past weekend, and as such, there was no way we weren't going to talk about arguably the greatest fighter of all time, especially when he probably is my favorite fighter of all time. And apparently I'm not alone in that, because we have a host, a horde, a smorgasbord of people volunteering to talk about the great one, and who am I to deny them? So... Normally, I've got one or two guests with me, sometimes three if I'm really feeling frisky. Four people joining us for this episode. Four fantastic writers, also from MMAfighting.com, great website, are on board this week. Mr. Stephen Morocco, Sean Alshadi, Alexander K. Lee, and making his damn debut, the other king of Rio, the king of Brazil, and certainly the king of our hearts, Mr. Guilherme Cruz. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I'm really excited. This is going to be total chaos. But how is everyone feeling about the the recent retirement of the GOAT, Jose Aldo? Well, is he really retiring? I mean, for the purposes of this podcast, Stephen, we are. <laughs> but it would be awesome if he wasn't. Okay. Just wanted I'm to throw that sad. out there. I'm feeling sad, Jed. <laughs> You're That's bringing what, negative energy, Stephen. We are commemorating this man's career. Let us believe that he is done in MMA. Sean has the right approach because I am super damn sad. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling wistful. I'm feeling nostalgic. I'm feeling a lot of things I wasn't expecting to feel coming coming into this week, man. He, one of the greats. One of the greats of all time. One of the greatest who's ever laced it up. One of the greats of our era, certainly. Is done and it and it feels bittersweet in a way because it feels like he left so much on the table still, 
Like if I we just were talking about this before recording, but I think if Jose Aldo fights Daljamain Sterling for the title right now, which could, almost could have happened, I would favor Jose to win that fight should've just happened. stylistically. So should have happened. happened. Ridiculous that we threw away. Should have. Ridiculous that we threw away this guy's final fight, uh, fighting at altitude against the grinder. Like, okay, sure, that's great. That's what everybody wants to see. A grinder who has no path to the title. I'll say that too. I digress though. I am happy to be here to celebrate uh, Scarface again, one of the greatest fighters of all time, and also one of my favorite fighters of all time as well. I mean, this guy is just amazing. He's absolutely amazing. Gee, how are did did you? I mean, your 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 boots on the ground. You you are the king of Brazil, as we've established. Certainly, now that the other king of Rio has retired, I, I feel that that is that is now your rightful crown as well. That's uh, fair. Two coronations this past week uh, globally. So good to know. Uh, how do you feel about about Jose Aldo stepping away from the game? I admit I was a, a, a little bit surprised when uh, it was announced that he was retiring because I really expect him to be part of the UFC Rio card uh, in January because like, it's the first time UFC is coming back to Rio in almost three years and UFC needs, needs stars to, to build a, a huge pay-per-view events. Uh, like new new TV deals here in Brazil, a lot at stake. They're bringing fight pass here, so they need stars. And Jose Aldo like carried the UFC, the, the UFC over his shoulders for a long, long time. And uh, but yeah, I mean he, he had one fight left in his deal, and I and I positively thought that he was gonna fight that 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 fight to to end his career and not be tied to the UFC. He has, he has said over the years that. He would never fight for another MMA organization because the UFC is like the the biggest one, and he would never fight for Bellator and other ones that he consider like minor leagues. And but he he has always talked about boxing and competing white type things the UFC would never allow him to do. And I was shocked that the UFC uh, like let him go away without fighting that last fight. Like GSP couldn't do that. Uh, Nate Diaz couldn't do that. They were they were throwing Nate Diaz at Hans Akimaev. Uh but Jose Aldo, like they were, he he was so good for the UFC in Brazil for such a long time, and he had such a great relationship with Lorenzo Fertitta that I thought, uh, yeah, if there's someone they would do that for, that's Jose Aldo. You know, you you've touched on the lone thing about this that I've been been able to feel at least somewhat okay about it so that i may get to watch jose aldo punch people in the face still it may not be in the same capacity but kickboxing muay thai boxing so let's turn to the prince of positivity what are there other positives to take away from this ak because otherwise i'm just looking at one of the best fighters of all time we still got juice he is still like this is a man who still could win the belt tomorrow still very much a top five guy in a weight class like this is not Tony Ferguson. We're trying to push him out the door quietly because he's washed. Jose Aldo is still one of the absolute best fighters in the world. I think he's ranked in our pound for pound rankings right now. Like how give me a positive spin. Oh, Prince of positivity. Yeah. I think he's like the number six bantamweight as well. So like a top 10 contender in his division. But I mean, kind of what you just said that that is a positive that he's going away with some, some, something left in the tank that he is going away with that, not on a, 
BJ Penn esque uh, eight fight under you know un- winless streak. You know what I mean? Like that we can still say, oh, would he have be- could he beat this guy? Would he beat this guy? Is he still competing at a championship level? Uh, you know, at the highest level of MMA? Absolutely, he is. I think that's 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 indisputable. So it, it it is a good thing. And and again, we don't know exactly his 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 you know his medical uh you know situation what health issues he might have from having competed in mma for so long but he just he seems content he seems like he's he's walking away on his own terms the day that it happened he didn't the, the first thing he didn't post was like oh farewell everyone to the sport it was that he just had a child he had this beautiful uh instagram post about his his newborn child and i'm like this is a man who's his head is in the right place he he his head and his heart are in the right place right now um yes will he box again in the future sure will he someday fight in mma again possibly but right now like if he walks away like he can be very it sounds like he's very happy with what he did and 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 that is the positive takeaway maybe for fans of course it's it sucks there's no nice way to put it but for jose aldo it looks like he's got uh, at least somewhat of a happy ending if he even if he didn't get to do that last fight in front of fans the kind of big you know uh, curtain call but uh, again we've seen that not always go so well for uh for some fighters so maybe it's maybe it's better this way well how can you not be happy with what you've accomplished when you're maybe the greatest fighter that's ever, ever fought people, right? And so that is, before we get into our whole spiel, the stuff we do all the time, the categories, the open question that I want to lead off with, even though we've already talked about some other stuff is, is Joseph the goat? Because like, I have thoughts and I want to hear y'all's thoughts on it. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot about and around this uh, first off, let me just clearly state this for anybody who's um, too stupid. Looking at you, John Anik, uh, Jose Aldo is unquestionably the greatest featherweight of all time. There is not a debate nor an argument about that. But is he the greatest pound-for-pound pound fighter of all time? Steven, what are your thoughts on this matter? Wait, so you started that by saying there is no argument for his featherweight goat status? Like, there's no argument. I can't He's even, I can't even no go there. There, so Steven, is, Steven, there is not Steven, even a semblance of an argument. Well, wait a minute. Steven, speak carefully, Max Steven. Holloway will kick twice. you off this podcast. Who calls Steven to be part of this show? <laughs> <laughs> Max Holloway beat him fast. twice. <laughs> Alexander Volkanovsky sure. beat him. Mac- Conor McGregor yeah. beat him. Those are those kind of those are things that technically happened. <laughs> they but didn't. Tec- the they happened. There is no technicality. Just... They actually happened. Mm, All right, I see we're getting off to a good start here. This is like saying I, Anderson Silva isn't great because he lost to Raya Hall. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, is, I, mean, I it take is a damning I take, loss. Yeah, I mean, look, pound. <laughs> I, I tend to. I think this just gets back to my philosophy on the whole rankings. Uh, schema in the first place that if you lose to certain people uh if you lose to multiple people who are considered in you know to to be among the pound for pound best or or the best in their division that you slide down a a little bit as a result of that and so i i understand that the sentiment as far as making saying he's the 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 pound for pound best at, at featherweight because of the strength of his schedule and the history that he has uh at the, at the top of that division um i guess you know I, I can't forget those other things uh that that happened you know the the losses that he did have to the people that we would consider the pound for pound best right now like 
Alexander Volkanovsky, who's number one in our pound for pound right now, right? I mean, he's 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 at the top, like he's he's kind of undisputed at this point. So it, I'll put that aside though for a second and let you guys. He's definitely out disputed because three of us don't have him as the top pound for pound fighter right okay. now. Okay, I'll let you guys pick at that as I'll let you guys pick at that as you as you want. But as as far as pound for pound best, absolutely, he's got to be within the top at least the top five and probably the top three for his strength of schedule or what he's done for the amount of time he was at the top for the amount of time he held the featherweight championship, his bantamweight run, which was just uh, incredible. Um, the skills that he retained in a weight division lower uh, than the one he fought the majority of his career. Uh, I would say at least top three, um, if not, you know, top five at an absolute minimum that's correct that's a good opinion i'm glad you saved yourself steven because we started going down a road i wasn't excited about gee what i'm going to pivot this for you is jose aldo the greatest brazilian fighter of all time no he is not i think it's anderson silva we're still thinking it's anderson silva yeah anderson silva uh there was something magical about him he's like it wasn't just the wins. It was like the things he was doing to his opponents. Jose Aldo is like, uh, like there was there, there were two Jose Aldos. Like the WC Jose Aldo was like a machine. He would just destroy everyone. The UFC was more like uh, uh, the the brain, uh, so smart and is uh, the way he just dominated fighters that made them look easy, but not the, the same way that he was doing. In the WC, like Anderson Silva, like just like doing magic, uh, but Jose Aldo is like a close second. He's he's just uh, on another level. I'm surprised at how easy that was for you to say, and that's why I wanted to come to you because for me, I, I obviously incredibly not Brazilian. I am very not Brazilian. I'm, so, I'm, I'm I know, shocked. I I certainly give off an air of Brazilian. I'm sure, but. I thought that that would be a much harder question. It was kind of immediate for you because I'll throw this out here. I think he's the second greatest fighter of all time, and I'll give my reasons kind of as we go along and talk about things. Uh, but it just it feels especially it feels especially like in the moment. Certainly, Anderson was was the bigger guy in, in just about every way, but. A lot of people, and I am not one who gives two craps about the whole PED usage thing, but a lot of other people do. And and that feels like, especially with the end of career losses Anderson suffered, to Steven's earlier point, that kind of took some of the shine off Anderson in those sorts of conversations. So I'm surprised at how quick that was for you. And I guess I'll turn to AK kind of outside of the Brazilian thing, just 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 in the context of greatness as a fighter, how do you feel about Jose Aldo in that conversation? Uh, well, I know, uh, see, people know I, I, uh, I'm not just the prince of positivity. I'd like to be the prince of preparation as well. Uh, so I know we have a section normally at the end, Jed, where we kind of, you know, talk about legacy and put a bow on things. So maybe I'll save some of these thoughts for that. I will say unequivocally, um, and I'll repeat this later, top five pound for pound. I think I, 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 I was actually, uh, after, you know, the retirement happened, I kind of very quickly just went to make a document and look at, and just could do a quick, Oh, who's in the top 10 pound for pound. And, um, cause I knew we'd be having this discussion and, and, uh, doing some writing about it probably later this week. And I could, 
I couldn't find a way to keep him out of the top five. I just couldn't do it. And in fact, uh, he actually bumped out Anderson. Um, so like I said, we'll we'll talk about legacy at the end, and I'll give my my exact current list. Uh, I didn't put a super amount of thought into it, to be fair. Um, and for the longest time, Anderson Silva was certainly one of the default answers. Most most people would say top three, certainly top five. Uh, but I've have a couple of fighters ahead of him and Aldo's one of them. Um, so yeah, he's certainly in there. And uh, one more thing I want to note, uh, I, 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 just because we didn't quite fit in the intro, this is such an important episode to do, Jed, because normally when we do, you know, the theme of damn was to kind of take fighters who uh, were, are certainly popular fighters and well-known fighters, but for whatever reason had, you know, maybe just not been gotten their due, you know, recently, right? Uh, or in, in recent years. And I wouldn't say that's the case with Aldo, but I think we're going to, and we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, in a later section, we're going to, there's, there's this point, you know, there's a point where uh, a whole new breed of fan came into MMA. And it seems like that new breed of fan does not appreciate what Jose Aldo was before, oh, I don't know, December 12th, 2015, uh, to pick a random arbitrary date. Um, so we'll <laughs> totally get to that. Random. Totally what random. Odd, just just, off the top of my head. just out of a hat. Yes. So we will get to that. I, I, I'm sure we're going to talk about that a ton later. But I do want to say that um, while Aldo does not fit the usual like damn profile, uh, it fits perfectly now, not just because of the retirement, but because, yes, I think people need to be reminded immediately um, how good this man was. And uh, we'll have a lot of that for sure. I mean, yeah, absolutely. That was the entire premise of the show. And we are going to get into that because I think Jose Aldo is incredibly underrated. Even still, even though he got the kind of end of career statesmanly, your favorite fighter's favorite fighter, King of Rio, everybody has nothing but the utmost respect for this dude. You still get a bunch of her dipshits on the internet who can't figure out that this guy is, is, is a freaking man. And for that, I will then turn to Mr. Sean Alshadi because I love Jose Aldo. I, if he's not my favorite fighter, he is two or three. Like There are three fighters that I very clearly have at the top, and he is amongst that group. And so I'll turn to Sean because I know that Sean also loves Jose Aldo. Sean, is Jose Aldo your favorite fighter? Because he's your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. Of that, I have no doubt. See, my favorite fighter of all time. That's so that's hard. I, that's Anderson. I mean, Anderson was my guy. Anderson Man. was the guy who got me into this. Anderson was a magician. He was a wizard. He was doing things like he said that no one had ever done, and I've really never seen since. But Jose Maybe certainly we have to do an episode on Anderson because apparently, apparently, this Anderson Silva guy was pretty good, huh? Oh, I told you the moment you, you started the show, <laughs> I'm in on the Anderson episode. Um, but no, th- I think. Episodes like this are exactly why I like this show so much. And I think this show is important is because it is important to contextualize guys like Jose Aldo who have been around for so long because there's a lot of elements to this, right? Because AK hit the hit it right on the head. The, the cycle of fandom, of MMA fandom is so short. It's about four or five years and then a new crop cycles in and then the new crop cycles in and the history within this sport is forgotten every time that happens. The last One of the last times that happened was the McGregor era, right? And the McGregor era fully launched, kicked off, hit its fever pitch, not maybe not the fever pitch, but started to reach that fever pitch when Jose Aldo got sparked out in 13 seconds. And it's still one of the more, I don't know that inexplicable is the right word, but it's certainly one of the just wilder results that we've ever seen in MMA history, considering what we've seen from Connor Sense and from Jose before and after just what Jose represented. And I think that ta- that poisoned, that tainted the well for uh, an entire generation of MMA fans who just did had no comprehension 
of who Jose Aldo was, why he was important. And their whole experience with Jose is he loses this fight and then he's sort of in some boring fights after that. Maybe Frankie Edgar, whatever, gets the title back and then he just gets washed by this generation of featherweights once he's sort of past his prime, whether it's Max or or Volkanovski or whatever. And that is just doing such an immense disservice to Jose Aldo because when people bring up the featherweight goat conversation, it's so frustrating because there is a right answer and there it's just, it is sort of inarguable because sure results are one thing. Like I understand you beat this guy on this specific night that, that, that is meaningful, but greatness is measured over a long period of time. Greatness is not won or lost on one particular night. Greatness is won or lost over a period of years. And Jose Aldo ruled over this division for nine years, essentially. He was the king of this division for basically a decade. 2000, I think the actual number, 2,215 consecutive days as champion in his prime. Like that is absurd. Nine title defenses if you include the WEC, which you should because that was the UFC title and it just transformed once they bought it and all the best talent was in the WEC. The level of dominance that this man had over the 45-pound division has not been seen before or since and probably won't be seen like again, I, I mean, I it would be really difficult for Alex Volkanovsky to reach the level that Jose Aldo reached in terms of how overwhelming he was, how much better he was than his peers, how ahead of the game he was, and just the sheer number of trophies and belts in his display cabinet. So Jose Aldo is easily the featherweight goat. I, I don't care if you want to throw out all the names he lost to. Most of that was past his prime, unless you want to talk about Connor, which. Connor's not really a featherweight in the in the grand scheme of the historical scale, right? He sort of bounced around once he did his business. And outside of that, Jose Aldo is absolutely a top five fighter of all time. Like, if you want to look at the list, I feel like the list is just going to objectively have GSP, Anderson, Jones, Aldo, DJ. In whatever order you want to throw in, that feels like, at least for male that fighters, should be the list. that's sort of the standard, right? And then however you want to order that, I don't feel like there's a right or wrong answer. I probably have Aldo four with GSP, Anderson, Jones, top three. But I'm not going to argue anybody who wants to do something otherwise. Just in, in general, for the grand scheme of MMA, what this guy meant, what he represented, again, how far ahead he was of just anybody else in the damn world who could make 145 pounds from his his prime, his peak, it's, it's, it's otherworldly. It's absolutely ridiculous. And if you go back in time and you watch some of those WEC fights, you watch some of the early UFC fights, you watch the Chad Mendez rematch, which is one of the low-key, most underrated great fights of all time. It's just crazy to see the level of expertise, dominance, intelligence, explosiveness, just everything on display from this guy. Again, it's it, 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 he was magic in there. And I, I feel like Again, I'm glad we can have these type of conversations on, on a show like this to be able to properly articulate it because there's a reason that people my age, Steven's age, Jed's age, uh, Guillermo's age, all of us revere this guy and love this guy. And it's because he was he was the man. He was the king. The, the king of Rio is not just a nickname. Like He was the king for so damn long. Man, God, what a, what a beautifully said thing. And we could transition directly into the the bulk of this, the categories right off of that. Cause you set me up for it. Well, but before we do that, I wanted to come back to Gee for one last thing, which is I know the first time I was exposed to Jose Aldo, it was the WEC. Cause that was very clear. I, it's not like I was watching, uh, you know, regional Brazilian MMA in the, in the early two thousands. That's, that's not a thing that I could even do uh, at that stage of life. You though, Gee, when, when did you first meet, because you can give us this kind of really special context, when did you first meet? <laughs> you can't? 
I can't because uh, when I started covering MMA, it was just like uh, six months before he made his WC debut. Damn. So he was like fighting in, he had just fought in Japan. Uh, he was like treated as a an absolute fantastic prospect. And, but then he was thrown at Picano in the WC, Aishin Nogueira. And he was expected to lose because Picano was such a legend, a veteran of the game. And people thought he would get choked. And he just destroyed Picano. <laughs> beat the it hell was, out of him. Yeah, an absolute beat down. And that fight, that, that fight showed like, yeah, this kid is for real. And from then on, that like fighting bodies left him right. And until he became like the king, and that was impressive because he was just like a random, uh, a random kid in Rio. He was just like walking down the streets, taking the subway to go training, uh, like living in the crappy area of Rio until he became the UFC champion. He was still living in a crappy area of Rio, taking the subway to train, like just like a normal guy. Uh, he 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 was something different, you know. That's that. That's why I think uh, many people in Brazil love him more than other fighters, like who are more popular in Brazil, like Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort, Leandro Guerras, Vendel Silva, Shogun, because people relate to him. Like he's a human being. Like he takes a subway to train. He takes a subway to work. Like just a, a normal guy who can also kill you with his hands and kicks. So. <laughs> Yeah, just the people's champion. And I think uh, Guillermo hits on a really important thing that people don't, I guess, realize or, or understand, which is like the 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 quickness, the 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 rapid nature of his rise is really like remarkable to look back on because he, the dude went from anonymity to the best in the damn world in like twenty seven months. And again, it was just a, it was one of those things where as soon as you saw it against Pequeno, it was just like, oh man. What what is this going to be? (laughs) Like this is this is going to be a big problem for everybody. Twenty seven months to basically go from nobody to the the best in the damn world like that that is rarely seen. Especially like that just doesn't happen, especially nowadays, right? Like it's just not a thing. Okay, then before we break into the categories, does anyone else have anything to get off their chest or throw out? I want to open it up in case someone has something that they don't they want to talk about. That isn't I'm necessarily sure going to be in the categories. Say. He's going to piss you off, Jad. I'm, I'm starting to have regrets <laughs> about bringing Steven on, but Steven, the floor is yours. I was just going to say that I question whether he was still retired because I'm not emotionally kind of ready for it to happen. I mean, I think that the Jose Aldo has been such a consistent presence man. in my life. He's been such a consistent presence in my life that he's you know he's death and taxes he's you know he's the one thing you can rely upon in this in this in this world that he'll be around and it seems more like there's more of a cognitive dissonance there because it seems like well why would you why would you quit at a time like this you know when you have um when you have so much left in the tank so i think that's the reason why i started out especially when we see fighters i i mean it's fair because especially we see fighters hang on for far far too long and he clearly isn't doing that so maybe he's just smarter because he's always been like the smartest fighter in the world anyway maybe he's just smarter than the rest of us so there's also a lot we don't know i mean this could be i have a lot to do with business you know the state of his personal business and where 
you know, now that he does have this permission, there's some not there's some lack of clarity as far as I'm concerned about where exact what exactly happened as far as uh, you know his release from the UFC, what exactly that means, you know what I mean. That means he's no longer under under contract with the UFC. That's, well, right, but it's like was there were there any was there was there any uh, caveats to that? I, I guess is is what I'm unclear on. But all of this is a way of saying that basically. You know, I, I don't, it's interesting that we're doing this at this time because I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see more of Jose Aldo. I think what we're really just talking about is like his UFC, his MMA career and what that meant, which was obviously an incredible amount. It, it meant the most. And so let's talk about exactly what that meant. We will break into our categories now, uh, which honestly we I was able to keep us from talking for like a full hour and a free for all. So I already feel like I'm doing a great job of hosting a five man front here. So let's move into the categories. But before we do that, as always, I give a little rundown on the career in case you didn't know, not going to totally do that this time because two main reasons. First, there's just way too much to go over to try and hit you with the highlights uh, and second, it's Jose freaking Aldo. You know who we're talking about. You know what he's done. So I am just going to hit you with the bullet points. And along those bullet points, let me get this out up front. Uh, I think it was Sean that alluded to this earlier. Aldo won the WEC title in uh, 2009. He defended it three times there. For all intents and purposes, that was a UFC belt. Zufa owned both organizations. Hell, his fight against Uriah Faber that I'm sure will come up later, that was functionally a UFC pay-per-view. They brought in Bruce Buffer to do the announcing, and and Goldberg uh, and Rogan were on commentary. Like This was a UFC organization and everything but act the three letters and the cage color. Same thing, but because it was technically not all of the UFC's record-keeping stuff, it doesn't take into account his WEC work, his WEC title defenses. So officially, Jose Aldo has like fourth and fifth or whatever on some of these. Bugger that. That's all garbage. The actual true numbers are what I'm going to give you with reference to his career. And those numbers are this. He won the featherweight belt in 2009. He held it until 2015. Uh, He later won an interim belt, uh, was promoted to champion. We'll talk about all, et cetera. He is tied for third all time in most title defenses at nine. That's tied with George St. Pierre. He is, has tied for the second longest win streak of all time at 15. It's tied with Kamaru Usman, who just lost to Leon Edwards, who was trying to tie Anderson Silva. He is tied for fourth all time in title fight wins at 11. He is the second longest title reign all time in days. I think Sean said it, 2,216 days. That is behind only Anderson Silva. He is the youngest champion in, in uh, promotional history at 23 years and 69 days. John Jones is 23 years and 243 days. He has the also just as the cherry most wins in WEC history. He's got four fight of the night bonuses, five performance bonuses. And if there has ever been a thing as a first ballot Hall of Famer, Jose Aldo will be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame next summer. I have zero, zero doubts about that. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world 
including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. So that's the bullet points. And now we get in to the even more prestigious awards than all those that we just talked about. The damn they were good awards. And the first category, as always, is the Mount Rushmore. In this man's illustrious career, you get four fights, gentlemen, four fights to That's show tough. who he is, what you care about, what you think are the most exciting, fun performances, however you want to do it. It's four of them. I've got four, and one of them I think is going to be controversial. I'm excited about it. It was tough for me to break it down. I don't want to go first. Who would like the floor to kick us off in this journey? I'm going to pick Alexander K. Lee, who is waving frantically at me to lead us off. So, AK. All right. Mel Rushmore, let's go, baby. Yeah, I think I usually don't go first on these. So, you know, we end up having some of the same lists. So at least, let, let, yes, let me be the one to break down some of the there's, ones that... There's always some overlap. And there is at least there one be. of these fights that I would be incredibly surprised if it's not on sure. everybody's list. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I, I have to assume uh, the Uriah Faber, Uriah Faber WC48 was my number one. was like my first... That it was, was your just, first pick. If you're drafting and like that's the fight like you're order. drafting... Yeah, because I mean, I'm not saying he's had he hasn't had better fights, but we talk about the insane run he was kind of having. If you look at remember, Uriah Faber was the man at 145 as far as fame goes. Uh, he was the man of WEC. You know, he was he he was the face of that promotion. So even after he lost to Mike Brown, there's sort of the thought that like ah he'll he'll come back, he'll get the belt sometime, uh, he'll get he'll get the belt back again. And it wasn't long, of course, before he got his opportunity to fight fight Jose Aldo. Uh, Jose had just ran through Mike Brown, just smoked him, and even and by that point, people were definitely like. Holy crap! There might not be anyone at 145 pounds who can touch this guy because Mike Brown, again, sort of not the most famous guy either. He got bit, he beat Faber, and then you know that made him uh, sort of this big name. And then afterwards, I mean, the, really, the Faber win was probably the peak of his career. Um, so we'll, uh, do so an, we'll do an MTB at some point on maybe. this show. This wildly underrated career, by <laughs> Thomas Brown. So uh, so Jose had already kind of taken Mike Brown's heat. And then, they, you know, he gets the matchup with Faber and boy, he he just, you know, dominates the California kid for five rounds, just shows off everything, shows off the the insane striking, the the ground game. He's, he's beating him on the ground. It's like Faber's a wrestler. Faber's going to give him trouble on the ground. And uh, Aldo just went jujitsu all over his ass. And then, uh, of course, the leg kicks. 
the maybe, maybe the most famous leg kick barrage of the in recent memory. She has Faber's leg, never the same. Probably, I mean, it's he probably still has trauma from from how badly he was dominated there. So yeah, just an amazing. If you want to talk about the passing of the torch, you know, people really having to say, okay, this is the guy now. You know, this is the guy. Like we we had said, Faber was the the you know the 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 man at the uh, below light below one fifty five. Faber is the man, you know, Faber is especially in North America. I mean, you know, uh, Jed, you and I have talked about like Keiji Yamamoto before, but I don't think he quite had that. Res- he didn't quite resonate in, in the U.S. as, as much as, uh, as Faber. So, oh, for, for sure he did. Yeah. I mean, Kid, Kid was actually the dude. Yes. But because it was always the Faber Kid fight was that was the one that got away. But mm-hmm. Kid, Kid was certainly internationally in, in the forum geek. That was the man. But Faber was the most popular sub 155 fighter. Yeah. Like by far, uh, and Jose Aldo took that. I mean, he really took that from. I'm not saying Favor wasn't still more popular after, but as far as like, if you you know anyone who's watching and paying attention and knows what they're talking about, was like, this is the guy. It's, there's no question. There's nothing lucky about this. There's no fluke. We really don't need to see a rematch. Just beat him pillow to post for five rounds. It was just it was just amazing. Credit to Favor for not getting for even making it to the final bell because he was straight up dominated. Uh, next, I go another five round decision. I got to go the Chad Mendez uh, rematch. Really, just one of the best title fights of all time. I mean, I, I this is you talk about title fights that are forgotten. Uh, I mean, people bring it up when you're talking about Jose Aldo, but I feel like now when people talk about the best uh, title fights of all time, and we've had some great ones over the last few years. Don't get me wrong; I, I understand why some of the some of the ones from like we said 2016 before and before that kind of get pushed back. Uh, this one should not be forgotten. I would just say, anyone cue this one up. Uh, UFC 179, October 25th, 2014, amazing five round battle and much needed. After Jose really like smokes Chad in the first fight, Chad fought his way back, and then I think we got a much better, uh, much better effort over five rounds. which is awesome. Uh, third, I'm going hold highlight up, reel. Hold up, oh, on go that, ahead, please. Hold up on that one, AK. Because yeah. that's on this on mine, and I just for the sake of expediency, yes. Does anyone not have that on their Good list? Because that's the one I think undeniably is is in the Mount Rushmore. But I would love if someone is is counter to it. I would love them to stand up and and make themselves known. No, that, a lot of nothing. That rematch is yeah, absolutely yeah, it has to be on my list. Yeah, mm-hmm. it has to be. I mean, that is I said it earlier. Ak just said it. Like that is one of the great forgotten title fights oh, of all time. So good. Like if you Indeed. you go back and rewatch it now, and it would be just as it's exhilarating awesome. as it was. I, I did. Indeed. I actually there. watched it this morning. It was awesome. Yeah, and being there in the arena to watch that live was like amazing. It's one of the best fights I've. Probably the best fight I watched live in yeah. my life. And by the way, a, a clear win for Aldo. Like we say, a great back and forth fight, but four, a clear win four, for Aldo. One. But that absolutely elevates like both guys. Like a, a Chad Mendes is another guy I feel like doesn't get a lot of respect just because listen, he fought in the same era as Aldo. He wasn't gonna beat Jose Aldo. That's just that's how it, that's life. Sorry, buddy, but Chad Mendes, amazing also, featherweight. All, F- poor Chad Mendes, man. First seven years of his career, he is 17 and 0. And then the two losses, he's 0-2 against Jose Aldo. Like, that is a rough time period to it live happens. in. That's some DC John Jones stuff. More importantly to that, because this never gets talked about, that man had to fight Aldo twice in in Rio. Both times. He, he didn't get to fight him in <laughs> Vegas. Even. Like, Frankie got to fight him in, in the T-Mobile. Sure. Like, all right, Chad, I know you went to Rio. He blew your face off and then danced <laughs> in the crowd with the fans. Why don't we do that again, buddy? Like, oh, that is such a harsh booking for. Like, I get it. Aldo should have never fought outside of Rio, but to see that other fighters didn't have to do that with Chad Mendes, well, here sucks to be you, man. Like, tough, Great. tough uh, hang for Money Mendes. 
great title fight. No, don't Chad Mendes, great title fight. And you're one half fit, respect. It was also because I wanted to bring this up because I'm I am the proponent of MMAfinder.com. I'm always telling you guys it's a great website. Hand up. Granted, I didn't work here at the time, and I'm actually not sure if anyone on this call worked here at the time now. Not our fight of the year for 2014. Uh, Is that true? It was not even the second best fight of the year. I worked here. I, 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 I worked here. Now I, I need to look here. this up. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the fight of the it? year is I don't I don't think it's good, but the fight of the year is Hendrix Waller. Oh, okay. It was the Hendrix That's win. That's okay. That was I a good fight. I at least accept it. Are you looking at it now, Sheen? Because yeah. there is a second fight in front of it, which I think is super garbage. Well, okay. So let me let me go ahead and defend the website for a second, or at please, least contextualize this this very poor list because it's a very poor list. It's I, bad. I agree. It's not very good, man. <laughs> Chris Weidman versus Leoto Machida is for some reason the number two on that year's list for I fight don't of the year. Know why? That's a very bad choice. But let me say that this was in a different era where we back then we. I'm were just going to pretend I didn't work here at the time. So yeah, back, yeah, back go then, Zaki, it's a better choice. <laughs> Back then, the way that year-end votes and, and the awards worked for the website was we just had, hey, here's all the awards. Who wants what? I'll take fight of the year. I'll take knockout of the year. I'll take submission of the year. And then you just wrote your own list off your own opinion. No one had any other input in it. And sometimes it became it, the, the website essentially represented very, very bad opinions. Like I remember the year Edson Barboza, <laughs> Terry Adam knockout wasn't the knockout of the year. It was Kung Lee, like Rich Franklin. That's- or something because now I have to figure out who did that because I know bad. who it is and I, he's my buddy and I'm not going to put him on blast. But it led no, to a lot of it. really, it. it led to put a lot of really chat. bad awards that I then uh, I think I think it was after this year that I was like, hey guys, we should uh we should change up this whole awards thing. Can we like maybe vote and make this a team wide thing? And then now we do it the way we do it. So this was uh, kind of the catalyst of of why that happened. <laughs> If am, only this I'm had been if, know that. Listen, if only this had been the case in 2017 and I had been handed submission of the year, the year of the uh uh the mighty whiz bar. Uh Brett Jones was robbed. Brett Jones, <laughs> Brett Jones you would have an MMA <laughs> submission of the year award on your mantle right now if this was done as I had been able to break it down and do it myself. That's, I just say that's the same year Demetrius Johnson was robbed of fighter of the year, but <laughs> we're digressing. I, oh, I sorry, just sorry. wanted to be upfront because I always say how we're a great website. We dropped yes. the ball on that one, and I, when I was doing my research, I was like, I can't believe this. I accept Hendrix Lawler. I still think it's not the choice I'd make, but I that's a fair argument. It was a great but fight. We and we've been Machida's a good fight, but mm-hmm. it ain't it ain't this. It's not this fight in any capacity. So sorry to derail you, AK. No but worries. I wanted us to stay focused on this particular thing. And now, please continue. You've yeah, got yeah, because on the rush more definitely. I want you. I want to get to your guys' list. So the, my last two are like highlight reel picks. Uh, one of them, the Cub Swanson, like the double knee, still like one of the most insanely timed opening strikes I've ever seen. It was just, it's, it's, it's way better than the than the the, the Jorge Masvidal and Ben Askren. Like it's that good. And I, I hope people um, haven't forgotten this knockout. It's eight seconds. Um, it was the fight that got him the title shot. Cub Swanson was a very good fighter before that. He was a very good fighter afterwards. He would go on to start his uh, UFC career. I think I'm uh, looking at if I'm looking at eight and three, nine and three. Uh, something like that. He won a, a, a 
a amazing run. Uh, 10 and 3, excuse me, like 10 and 3 to start his UC career. So he had better days after that knockout. It's not like, oh, Jose Aldo smoked Cub Swanson. He was never the same. It's like, no, Cub Swanson was as good as you remember and continued to be so for a very long time. And Aldo legit annihilated him. I, I, I cannot remember seeing anything like it before or since. Uh, again, even counting the Mazadal KO, this was just unbelievable. And I wanted to go obscure for the fifth, fourth pick just because I went in a little rabbit hole just trying to see how many of Jose Aldo's like, you know, pre-WC oh. fights could be found. So I was like, okay. Uh, and I'd never seen this one before up until like this, like this last couple of days. Uh, Aritano Silva Barbosa. Uh, find this, guys. It's on YouTube. His first five pro fights are on yes! YouTube, actually. Jose Aldo. Okay, yes. And this is like this one of the is, nastiest. This is knock- my off-the-wall pick. Right? This is one of the nastiest finishes yeah. I've ever seen in my life. I never, I never seen it before. Jose, <laughs> Jose with soccer kicks should never be allowed. Oh my ever. god! <laughs> Literally, the explicit reason it's on my list is because Jose Aldo with soccer kicks is like giving somebody a Freddy Krueger glove but, before they go in the but cage. Even before that, it's not fair. He hits an unbelievable like knee combination. He he hits a standing knee sort of a exchange during exchange, which rocks uh Barbosa and then while Barbosa's going down he like he like pivots quickly and hits him with another knee right on the button which probably the fight's over there but this is like Valley Tudo oh, you know whatever so freaks like I gotta give this guy a chance maybe, and maybe. and J- Jose just starts teeing off on this man's head and it is so with gross soccer this kicks. Is, with soccer it's so kicks. gross it's so gross and uh I had to put this is really just like yeah you people have to like if you think some of his finishes later were nasty this is so bad like this is such a grotesque one. This is uh, from 2005, but my goodness. So there we go, guys. That's uh, just just much more to work off of. To add further context to this, the whole thing sequence is like 20 seconds long. Like it happens very, very quickly. Oh. It is incredibly gruesome. I grew up in the era of of stomps and soccer kicks. I will swear until the day I die that I love stomps and soccer kicks, and I wish they were still part of the sport. But this is like example number one of why they absolutely should not be allowed in MMA. No, no, no. It. It's the best. It is a 20 second long fight that probably should be half that <laughs> in length. And it had to feel like a lifetime for Barbosa. Barbosa was also on my list be explicitly because I wanted Jose Aldo with soccer. Kicks. I wanted the kids to, to go down the YouTube rabbit hole. <laughs> Actually, there are multiple soccer kick finishes uh, <laughs> in the Brazilian scene. Mm-hmm. I just went with this one because I thought it was better than the Anderson Silverio one, but... I'm so glad somebody else put that one on. That makes me incredibly happy. I'll open it up. Does anyone have, did anyone have the exact same list that AK had? I had uh, two, I think, of the sames, and I have two difference. I had one of the same. You only had one of the same. I had two of the same, same yeah. Chad Mendes rematch and the uh, favorite one. And Steven two also different. has two of the same. Steven, did you also have the Chad Mendes? Oh, no, actually, I'm sorry. That, I had, I had three. Had? The only. Yeah, I had three. The only difference that I had was font. And and that was because of when it took place. Oh, then perfect. I mean, we're talking about his mm-hmm. second to last fight, you know, in the UFC. And after that fight, I don't think there was anybody that it was just like another, you know, uh, inscription on in the, in the tablet of uh, Jose Aldo's greatness that he was able to do that to one of the young up and comers. Like, you know, Rob Font obviously had been around for a little bit, but he was still considered on the ramp up, considered an extremely talented bantamweight that could potentially be a future title contender. And Jose beat him handily. They like beat the crap out of him, you know? And, and I think that's, 
just from the coverage uh, that I remember after that fight, after that win, I just thought it was um, it should go on the Mount Rushmore because of when, when it took place. You know, it wasn't something that took place um, mid career, early career. He's had a ton of you know impressive performances, but when he did that and to whom he did it to uh, made it uh, worth that type of consideration on his Rushmore. I love the pick. Uh, Font was the fifth spot on my Rushmore. He got replaced by Barbosa because I deemed soccer kicks more fun uh, than than the the third act. But I have absolutely no no arguments against you because at the time I was boldly making the claim that Rob Font was the best bantamweight alive. I was wrong, <laughs> and Jose Aldo showed that I was very wrong. Did anybody else have Font on their list? And by anybody else, I, I would mean Shaheen and Ghee. I did, yeah. I had okay, Rob so, on mine. So, so then let's go to you, Shaheen. So you had Mendez rematch, Faber, Rob Font. Is that? Am I correct in those three? No. So you got two of them. So this okay. was – I've been on a couple of these episodes now, and this was easily the hardest Mount Rushmore. It was really tough that I have experienced and participated in so far, because usually you get a group of maybe like four, five, maybe six. And it's like, you have to whittle it from there. I felt like there were a seven or eight that I could have easily just thrown on there and completely justified and felt great about like, it, like I was, I, I still on my list have like, I was, I was tweaking it as we were doing it because it just, there's so many. So I, I approached this Mount Rushmore a little bit differently than I normally do. I, I, I sort of made this one a timeline of Jose's career. Because it felt like that was maybe a little bit more appropriate when I have such abundance oh, the of options. Three eras, okay. Yeah. So for me, my first one is Pequeno Noguera, and we we mentioned this. Gear might put great context behind this, but like to understand the story of Jose Aldo, like you kind of have to understand the story of Pequeno Noguera a little bit because this is the first guy Jose fights on like a major platform, and Pequeno was kind of Jose Aldo before there is Jose Aldo. Like he wasn't quite on that level, but he was sort of that guy for a long time. He was this overpowering Brazilian who was just dominating Shuto for like basically a decade more or less and just uh, like gorging on a lot of these Jap- Japanese fighters who were just super un- overmatched by against this guy. And then Jose just goes in there He's not supposed to be, you know, he's not, I don't know who is the favorite, but like Jose was certainly not looked at like, oh, he's going to destroy Pequeno and he just goes in there and does exactly that. And that sort of announces P- his Pequeno arrival. Pequeno was a minus 250 favorite, just so. Minus 250? I mean, in other words, like, wow. so in other words it, was, it was supposed to be his coronation, you know? That's yes, the way I remember it. Very much. It was more a, an yeah, issue it, of like, this guy is graduating to the big time and then we've got somebody, we've got an opponent for him. Dude, that, we got this that young the whole kid Frank... from the smash on. That was like Verdun fighting uh, Juno dos Santos in, he, in his UFC debut. Right, like right. Verdun was like a top-ranked heavyweight fighting a Brazilian unknown and just who just got like like smoking. Mm-hmm. And that that was the whole Frank Mir commentary too. Was uh, I forget who Mir was partnered with for it, uh, but it was other guy was just like, well, I don't really know anything about these. And Frank Mir's like, yeah, Pequeno Nogueira is a legend. Um, yeah. and I don't know anything about Jose Aldo except for that he's a Andre Pedneras black belt, so he could probably grapple some. And then Aldo just tunes him up, and Frank Mir's like, "Oh, this kid's really good." Yeah, <laughs> so. it was instant. Like you could see it instantly. Like it's it's very rare we get those moments where it's just like, "Oh, like I okay, I see what the future of this division is right now." Okay, I see it. Um, and maybe it was Todd Harris. Todd Harris, I feel like was usually the guy. I think Todd Harris probably was it. Yep. 
Um, so Bikino Noguero is my number one. Uh, I have Chad Mendez uh, rematch on there at number two. I, or, or at number three, I guess I have one before that. But I also really kind of wanted to put Chad Mendez one in there. It was really it, tough for me to not put both Chad because I didn't want to. I didn't want two Chad Mendezes on Mount right? Rushmore. But like, but I get it. But like, I, I used him for a later category, the first one for later. So I totally get where you're at, though. If you guys go to MMAfighting.com, great website. There's a tremendous feature up right now by my man Guillermo Cruz over there, Brazilian Beast, and it's it got a, 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 an abundance of Brazilian the fighters, King of Rio. coaches, etc. Uh, sort of speaking about Jose and what they meant to him and just the influence they had on him. And so many of them, it struck me because so many of them brought up that first Chad Mendes fight and what it meant. And I'm going to tell you, like, I didn't include uh, the portion of the quotes of many of them because pretty much like 90% of them mentioned that fight as their favorite moment of Jose Aldo. They went on to say other things. So I just, I, I didn't want an article of... 40 people saying, like, I love the first Chad Mendes fight. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it was a really seminal moment and, like, important time for Brazilian MMA and the celebration and everything. So it's hard for me to leave that off. But I will say, I had I felt like I had to put one other WEC fight in there because that is such a giant part of Jose's career and sort of his legacy. And so I put the Mike Brown fight rather than Uriah Faber because I, that, to me, was the one that proved, like, this is going to be the next guy. This is not a fluke. This is not somebody who's too early or this is too much for him. Like Mike Brown was legit, man. Like I know people just know him as the ATT coach at this point. And he's a tremendous coach, but like he, he washed Uriah Faber when they fought earlier that earlier in that year or the previous year or whatever. And washed him twice. Yeah, man. Like, like it was unquestionable that Mike Brown was better than Uriah Faber. And then Jose just goes in and it's not even close. Um, and so that was my second, third was the Chad Mendes rematch. And then fourth was exactly what Steven said, which is the Rob Fong fight. I, I consider maybe the Cheeto Vera fight. I, I think feel like that's interchangeable, but it's just to me a representation of again greatness. To me is longevity. Greatness to me is how long did you were you so great at what you were doing, and the fact that like this dude had this third act or fourth act or whatever you want to call it at at the age that he did in a division that he had it in and against the competition that he had it in is frankly absurd and shouldn't have happened. Like it didn't make sense that it did happen. And when it was starting to happen where he, and he's like, okay, I, I'm losing all these fights at featherweight. I'm gonna drop down. I'm gonna go to 35 rather than 55. When the entirety of his career, we all expected if he ever moves division, it's gonna be 55. Cause he could barely make 45. I'm going to drop down to 35 and it'll be great. I, I'm sure I am on several podcasts around that time te- with very bad opinions that, that did not age well about Same. how this is a terrible decision. This is clearly a panic move. Like this is just you are not alone. On this that is going to fail spectacularly. You and I don't want to see one of my favorite fighters get hurt. And instead he almost won the damn title like a couple different times. So the fact that he was still at this age doing this in a division where like, like bantamweights don't age well. Featherweights don't age well. Lightweights don't age well. Anywhere below 155, like you do not find an old UFC champion ever. I think the and old when you age, you go up. You never yeah. age down. That has never happened in you, the sport. You do not go to the quicker twitch, fast twitch division when you're getting older. And yet this dude did it, did it incredibly successfully. And again, probably should have fought for the title rather than TJ Dillashaw's cheating ass. But like, we're not going to do that. But either way, that felt one of those fights, either Cheeto or... Rob Font felt like it had to be on it, just the Mount Rushmore for me. Because again, it's just at a certain point, you're just defying the laws of gravity and time and space and just everything we feel like we understand. I like it. Gee, where where are you at on your Mount Rushmore? Uh, 
I'm now struggling to remember. I know you had the Mendez rematch in. What were your other ones, Guy? Okay, so I had the Chad Mendes rematch. I had the Faber one, the Mike Brown. But the fourth one was was tough for me because uh, I mean, ultimately I went with the Picano fight. Alexandre Nogueira, Picano. Because uh, like, it, it was like this... this First fight in the global uh, scene, in a bigger platform, he's just destroying this veteran that was supposed to kill him. Uh, but I, I almost went with a, uh, with the corner one. Oh no, no, no! Even we'll, though we'll it's talk a loss. about that, we'll talk about that. Yeah, even, <laughs> I refuse to put Conor we'll McGregor on my Jose yeah. Aldo Mount Rushmore. That's why I didn't pick that one. I tell yeah, you, put that Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. Is the Picano one, not the corner one. Wow, this is fascinating because I have a pretty different list. I have the Barbosa, the Daratano Silva Barbosa one for the stated reasons. I also have the Chad Mendez rematch for the stated reasons. I share Cub Swanson with AK just because that is the individual highlight, right? Like that's the one that plays over and over in everybody's head forever. But the last one, I am astonished that nobody else. I did Frankie Edgar. I did oh, Frankie I considered Edgar. it. I did Frankie I Edgar it. one because it's, it's, tough, man, it's Frankie Edgar. Just a lot of a lot but of great fights. Not only is it Frankie Edgar, it's like Frankie Edgar literally right after the dude dropped the lightweight title. It's it's it and and didn't deserve to either. That's the thing. Like he beat Benson Henderson no, twice. I mean, Benson won. Benson yeah. won both those fights. Come on, that's, that's very ridiculous. not true. I'm not going to let you get away with that. Frankie Edgar won those fights. He Frankie absolutely Edgar did not win those fights. Was at worst the second best lightweight in the world. He was the best if you have eyeballs. He was the Sean. second best. Uh, but either way, he's one of the top two lightweights in the world. He's coming to featherweight to own this division. And then he just gets taken to school. Jose Aldo is the bus driver and he takes Frankie Edgar to school. And it was awesome. And so, like, I. To me, I, I left off the Mike Thomas Brown thing. I, I know it's him winning the belt and that's that's significant, et cetera. I still, when I think back on WEC, I the first thing I think of as far as Jose Aldo is concerned, the first thing I think of is the showtime kick. The second thing I think of is the double clutch knee on Cub Swanson. That's just how my brain works. It goes to those two things. So that was my WEC highlight. And then you have to have Chad Mendez. And, and I don't know. Frankie Edgar is when he established to my eyes undeniably this is the greatest pound for pound fighter in the world he just beat the lightweight champ basically and and beat him convincingly like this dude this dude is is the truth so that's why i wrapped it i'm pretty sure we had a, a fairly wide diversity of choices here which i think speaks to the man but by, by my count it was like eight saying, it was like Sean. eight eight different uh fights i think chad i don't know, I don't know how you if you, how you, if you kept counting yeah i, I, don't think I, I wasn't i wasn't keeping track and, but i think that's right i had seven on my personal list okay. that i whittled down to four <laughs> yeah. i i very very nearly threw in the frankie edgar rematch too just sure. given, considering where he was in jose was in his career where it's just like dude just lost in 13 seconds to this force of nature and now he's gonna come back and just coolly win the title like it's nothing again like to the bounce problem, back like that the big problem with that fight is it's unwatchable because that cage is horrific. The so goal, you can't go. Like you can't go back and watch the <laughs> UFC 200. Is that gold cage? It's, it's, it's like yellow. bad cage yeah. warriors. It's not even gold. It is. It is pea yellow. 
show and it's the worst thing that's ever happened in the ufc so by the way i also uh, want to say i would have liked all those chances against uh benson henderson if they if he jumped up to 155 and oh, fought benson henderson i there I may be a all. category where we can we oh, can okay. talk about this very very thing all right all right uh, i won't the jump the gun but i do think he would have i beaten i Bendo. think he would have very clearly beaten benson henderson <laughs> he would have lost the fifth round but he'd have won the four before it <laughs> So I, fine. The, the Benson Henderson slander and, and rewriting of history right now, like that guy's not one of the greatest lightweights of all time, is is frankly a little insulting. I, gotta uh, say. I didn't I didn't realize Benson Henderson had such a stand group on this particular podcast. So. Well, there's one yeah, guy. I know a guest. I know a guest. There's, 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 there's dozens. Yeah, of them. Literal dozens. I agree. Benson Henderson was good. I just uh I I thought Frankie clearly won the rematch with Bendo, but no. maybe I'm misremembering. I'll go rewatch. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Second category, the next one. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because unless you guys have something else to offer here, this is the lamest category this week. It is the I'm Not Impressed by Your Performance Award. It is, we talked about the highs of Mount Rushmore. What are the career lows? I think there's one obvious choice. It's obviously Conor McGregor and how that ended up shaping the rest of the conversation around Jose Aldo for the next hundred years and the internet dipshits who don't understand anything. But if anyone else has something to offer here or anything they'd like to say about this particular moment, the I open the floor. I think the, the, the corner fight is the obvious one. You, you like you, you can pick another one, so I, I would say the second <laughs> second worst moment is the Volkanovski fight. We know he's great, but that that fight was just bad. His performance was just so disappointing. Uh, Again, watching yeah. that live in Rio, everybody's so excited to watch him, and that fight just sucked. And, and, and that was the end of 145. <laughs> that was that was the that was the he's yeah. not going to be the featherweight champion yes. again, right? That's yeah. we ju- we just knew as as um as, I don't know Jeter Sheen had said earlier that the next generation of featherweights had had arrived and it all that was no longer part of that picture. So uh, I, I, I want to say, man, going into this fight and I'm not, I wasn't a Connor hater uh, by any means during the stretch. I was definitely a fan of Connor McGregor, but uh, there was already that rising tide of fans. I was like, Oh, Connor's the best man. He's going to win the title no matter what. And I was like, you guys, re- you guys like you, this new wave of fans, you guys really don't know about Jose Aldo. Eh? Like just wait. Like I was so sure I, I don't remember if there's ever been a title fight between two, like, you know, pretty, pretty, like, 
I, I don't remember what the odds were. I'm, uh, was McGregor favored by by fight? By night? the time was, fight night came, McGregor mm-hmm. was favored. Yeah, that's what I remember. It, it was um, close. The by the time, time the the Irish li- landed in Vegas, <laughs> yes. exactly. Oh, yeah. The exactly. line had moved. Just... Yeah, uh, I was. I had never been so sure of a relatively like competitive title fight on paper that one guy was going to just choke style on the other guy. I was like, Jose Aldo is like, is, is the better striker. He's got, he's got the grappling that, you know, is still a question mark for me with McGregor. Um, I'm like, he's, he's going to win this. I don't know if he finishes him. I don't know if he, uh, you know, 50, 45 some, he's going to beat this guy. And it's fine. It's like nothing bad on McGregor. Just like, that's how good Jose Aldo was at the time. So to see him, to see the fight unfold the way it did, I think we were all, a lot of us, Aldo fans were like Marlon Sandro. I think at Marlon Sandro's reaction is, is etched in history. That's grabbing your head, eyes wide open, wanting to cry. Like wanting to cry. I've never seen, I, I don't know if we've seen a corner react quite like that since. Um, but I remember that's burned into my brain too, obviously, as part of that that horrible, horrible uh, moment. And I felt the same way as I just could not believe it. I'm like, and and, and immediately it's into the, if they run that back a hundred times, there's no way that like, you know, at least 75% of the time, uh, uh, Chelsea Aldo wins. But what could you say? And that, after that 13 seconds, there was no comeback. There was no comeback for the Wave of McGregor fans and, uh, and really nothing that the it's it's not a stretch at all to say that the world of MMA would never be the same again after that moment. Like it it was so crazy and so disappointing. It's it's genuinely one of the most surreal moments in the history of the sport, the way that played out, because I remember being in the arena for that fight. And just like it was one of those things where like the entire the entirety of however many people this is just can't even actually fathom what they just saw. Like the the pause between the finish and then the actual applause and like adulation and everything, if it's probably only like a second or two, but it felt like an eternity in the moment because no one is understanding what's happening. It's a whole entire arena of people turning to the left or to the right saying, what, what just happened? Did that just really happen? And then freaking out. And then at that point, I remember the T-Mobile because that was when it was, we were still at the, uh, or uh, the MGM Grand. That was when we were still at the MGM Grand. I missed that place so much. Uh, just becoming just a rain shower of beer with the amount of beer being thrown around and just the revelry and all of it. Like it was so unbelievably surreal to, to, to watch, especially considering the lead up to it. Like the lead up to that fight was basically like eight months, nine months, right? Like it was more, it was more than that. It was Conor McGregor's entire UFC life up to that point had been talking about Jose Aldo, but the, the lead up in, in, in full had really been this eight month, nine month thing where they have the world tour before 189. It's, it's the coolest like media setup I've ever seen that that world tour ahead of 189. Like that was one of the best promotional jobs the UFC has ever done ever, if not the single best, was building that fight towards 189 with, with the world tour, all the different stops, stopping in Brazil. I remember, Guillermo, you were at the Brazil stop, uh, the, the the Dublin stop, like all of it was just crazy. The the vlogs we were getting every day from it and just the way these two guys were interacting and what, what Connor was drawing out of this very stoic guy, like this level of rage and frustration we had never seen before. And then the delay uh, of the injury, and we sort of have to wait even longer. And now Connor's even more emboldened off of the Mendes thing. Like, I, I really have never been a part of or experienced or seen a fervor for a fight, like a, 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 a just an aura and an atmosphere for something like what I think, what was it? What did it end up being? 192? UFC 192? 193? No, it's 194. 194? Yeah. I've never seen anything like that before and since. And like, in a way, you kind of miss it because it was, a, it did feel like a very special moment in time in the sport. But the fact that Jose Aldo did not let that break him, 
And the fact that he was able to bounce back from that and continue to just be great and like have, again, a couple different chapters of his career after that. And he didn't let a loss like that define him. I think a lot of lesser fighters, even great fighters, would have let something like that break them and define them. And he never did. That's incredible. It, it absolutely is. The only thing I will say, because I don't want to talk about the sad parts, because that's not what this show is about, is it's the worst thing that ever could have happened in the possibilities of this sport and it makes me sad every day to think about it and so i don't want to talk about it anymore because it's it's, the, it's literally the worst thing that's ever happened with, in the sport that's it's why was of, it the worst thing i'm just curious go ahead steven because because it made all the worst people feel <laughs> right and vindicated about being <laughs> stupid dipshits and okay. I, I watched this fight with a bunch of dudes from the gym I was training with at the time. These are people who train MMA. They like know things. They're not total like plebeians or whatever. They have mm-hmm. some context here. And several of them were I mean, obviously some Brazilian guys, very Team Aldo, etc. Several of them were convinced that Conor McGregor is the single greatest fighter that has ever laced up a pair of gloves. And I remember thinking... Aldo should win, but Conor McGregor can win, that this could be a really competitive fight. Be really excited to see how it goes. And it, of course, gets contentious because you've never met a Conor McGregor fan who isn't an asshole because that's just how it goes. Especially around then, especially in like 2015, 16 range. Especially when when you're all together at a pizza shop uh, slash bar drinking a bunch and you've been watching all the other fights and it's building up and it turns into this incredibly contentious thing of factions and i naturally am put into the aldo faction one of my favorite fighters and even though i think this is a great competitive fight it's just like you guys are being unreasonable pieces of crap about your boy and then 13 seconds and it's because it's the stupidest scoreboard that exists in the sport is when I mean, hell, we saw it this weekend when Aldo retired and everybody's coming out and saying these wonderful things. My uh, Matt Brown comes out and says one of the all-time greats or whatever in a tweet, and like four dudes on Twitter are just like, you obviously have never seen the Conor McGregor oh, or just 13 God. seconds. And it's 13 seconds is literally my least favorite thing that is around this sport. <laughs> and if if I could change one outcome, it's not even that Aldo would win. I could suffer it more if they had a fight. It is that it happened in that way. And that's not to take away from what Connor accomplished because I think the thing that is not mentioned because the way Connor fans reacted to it, it diminishes what is the crowning achievement of his career as far as I'm concerned. Beating one of the best fighters ever in that way should be looked at as this dude rules and look what Connor was capable of at his absolute peak. And instead it's, that guy's trash and our dude's a hero. And I just, I hate it so, <laughs> so much. Steven. That's why it's the worst thing. I am filled with anger and hatred. Just thinking about those jabronis right now. Yeah. That fight in the way he ended made me stop tagging me uh, on, on Twitter when I was I just, just like interview Jose Aldo. I <laughs> post a oh, story. Yeah. I wouldn't tag myself in the, in the, I in believe the fighting it. tweet. Cause like, I would just like delete Twitter because the main just people let's just uh, respond 30 seconds, 30 seconds. Just so annoying. 
and we just stopped stopped using Twitter because. It was so yeah. annoying. It's not because I'm Brazilian, just because the fucking uh, <laughs> annoying. Yeah. It's such a I, it's such a bizarre moment in time. That that one fight is such a <clears throat> sorry, AK. Okay, um, okay. Just real quick, like that's such that one fight is such a bizarre moment in time. I remember being in in Vegas for that night. I was with Chuck uh, Chuck Menendez, who was with MMA fighting at the time. And afterwards, we had finished. Our- never heard of him. <laughs> Great guy. Never <laughs> met him. Uh, <laughs> afterwards, we were. Uh, done with our work and it was pretty late at night and so we were in vegas you know it's the end of the week you worked a long week especially that week that was a three event in, in three days week um and so we ended up just at the at like some random bar in a hotel um casino type of place and it was just all of the irish were in vegas just burning down las vegas at that point and i remember just like the the drunkest irish people just buying us drinks all night and talking to us in a way that like and us like saying the sentence to them like you guys have the next muhammad ali like that was the the sentiment at the time after that fight. That was the the like how much we held Aldo in such high regard that like you beat Aldo in this way. Like your guy is about to be the next maybe goat of all time. Like Connor might go down as the greatest fighter in history because he just did this, and then obviously it plays out how it plays out, and that's not at all the case. But it's just such a bizarre moment in time that that whole week, that fight, that rivalry, all of it. This is just. Like I just sort of add on to Steven's question and Jed's response. Like this is one of those uh, fights slash highlights. I would I will never like go out of my way to rewatch if it pops up in a highlight reel, which it often does. It's fine. It's not like it's not like the worst thing. I would I never am, like normally normally do this shit, like preparing for a show like this. I'm like. <laughs> I know it's on all the oh, time. Oh, you! It, but that's the thing is, is it, it's so stupid it's short. Everywhere. So you've literally seen it a million times. I know. Yeah. I know. When I've we seen were, gifts of it, tweets. This, yeah. I rewatched every Aldo fight in preparation except for that one. Mm-hmm. I watched all Same. the rest of them. Commentary on did it, and I was like, "Skip, not doing that one because I hate like, it." I uh, normally, normally feel you, AK. Normally, the only yeah. reason I wouldn't rewatch a fight is if it ended in like a, hor- a horrific injury or something like that. But this fight is like it creates this. I, it brings me back every time to the moment it happened. This gut, just the, the gut dropping feeling of like, oh my God, like, yes, one, everything coming, all the McGregor fans and all the Aldo doubters and all like the people who just don't know about Aldo and what this means for the UFC going forward. Like you said, you saw the future was now and it looked a little grim if we're being honest. Um, like you saw like certainly <laughs> prosperity for the company. No, certainly prosperity for the company and, and great things from McGregor, a super exciting fighter. I mean, that was, that was, you know, a fun ride for a long time. But knowing the consequences and again, just what what people thought, how people were going to perceive this moment until the end of time, it makes me I'm getting ill just talking about it. And I, I again, I've yeah, I will not I would not go out of my way to rewatch this if I if I can avoid it. I mean, I think you just said it. It's like and the way you the way you frame it is a grim time. And it's like, well, from whose perspective, you know, like I, I totally get what you guys are saying as far as the. Conor McGregor jerks and and what it engendered as far as attitudes toward the sport. It also really helped the sport. This guy was a major breakthrough oh, star oh, it was at a time. Unbelievably beneficial for me. Without Conor McGregor, by the way, for I don't have a job without. hundred percent. I don't. I agree. All five of us on this call. It was it was a huge benefit. Now I, I'm also thinking to the next step. It was also, uh, it also was the foundation on which. Uh, Zufa's previous owners used it to leverage the into the WME sale, and we can talk about you know what that's done to the sport. Sorry, I have a fly, you know that loves me a lot. Um, so it depends on the perspective that you look from, look at it from. Like, it, I feel like there's this very strong vibe of like 
he didn't earn it. You know, he's not one of, he, he wasn't the hardcore favorite. He wasn't, he didn't, he just came and he took this. He didn't, he, he wasn't, he wasn't properly vetted or didn't walk the proper path. And I, and I guess I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. And I understand that sentiment, but the fact is that he did, you know, he, he, he won and it, we all benefited from it. Um, so I, I, oh, I, I, said, I kind agree. of, I kind of walked the line on that one. I'm not, I'm kind of not totally on your side. I'm not totally on my side. I just, I think there's some more context to be had. What is the low point well, of his career, Stephen? What is the low it. point of Jose Aldo's career then? Do Are we jumping answer? ahead now? Can we do the next? Uh, so I do have some answers for this. Uh, for this, uh, I'm not. Imp- Wait, are we talking about the I'm not impressed yeah. by your performance? That's what this is. Yeah, we're, 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 we're in, in that impressed. now. Yeah, we so, have been in that. So yeah, what, do you, what, do you what have is the? Oh, so I, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't really have any other one other than that. I thought that the. I didn't think he necessarily. You know, I thought that the Marlon Marais fight was kind of weirded in it from a judging perspective. You know, but I, I, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't really Agreed. want to stand on on that hill. You know, um, I think that he won the fight. Yeah, I mean, I just thought that the the judging was uh, off I call, on I that call one. That not a robbery. It was a classic. Yeah. Well. No but, one asked yeah. you, AK. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, all right. I still love you, though. To keep things moving, because uh, we got a little bogged down there, and I think it's just a very obvious answer, we will move on to our next category. One of my personal favorites, the Ivan Menjivar Award. This is for the weirdest or most surprising opponent Jose Aldo's faced in his career. It's named after Ivan Menjivar. I say it every episode. The first fight of George St. Pierre's career, Ivan Menjivar, career bantamweight, fought George St. Pierre in GSB's debut fight. So this was honestly pretty tough for me because uh, most of his opponents made sense in one way or another. Uh, I have two that I think are uh, – I, I have three written down, uh, so I'll just lead with mine. And then if anyone has has come through in a strong way, agrees or disagrees, feel free. The first, and I think the most obvious one I have, is Chris Mickle. That is mostly just because I don't understand why that fight happened. Because Jose Aldo was already 3-0 and in the WEC. Mickle was making his debut. He was only on a two-fight winning streak from like Midwestern smokers. So just didn't... This dude was already here, and we all knew he was here, and he fought one of if not the worst fighters of his like actual real not first five fights career so that fight just didn't make sense uh can i quickly can i tell a a, a super quick chris mickle story if you've got stories this is where stories come through baby so for sure very very quick one but when i i remember very very clearly with uh when i was putting together the night we faced aldo and, and calling all the former opponents and just talking to people Chris Mickle of all of everybody talking to Faber, Mendez, whoever you want to throw out there, Florian, everybody. Chris Mickle was the one guy that was still planted his flag of like, oh no, like Jose beat me, but you run that back. I could easily beat Jose. Like that was no big deal. Like I could definitely beat Jose nine out of 10 type of thing. So much. And there was so much of that interview that I couldn't use because it was just him kind of being salty about like Jose getting a fluke win over him. And it was like, all right, man, like, I wish I walked through life with the level of confidence you do because Chris Mickle is my have new a, favorite fighter. I had a lot of cool stuff going on if I had that kind of confidence. <laughs> this is, I Chris Mickle is now winning this award for sure, just based on that because 
I strive to live my life with the irrational confidence of J.R. Smith, and it appears that Chris Mickle has successfully achieved that. So <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that story. <laughs> the other two names very quickly, uh, Anderson Silverio. Uh, I'd note this one just because Silverio went on to coach Rob Font. Uh, oh, jeez. So 16 years after he beat Anderson Silverio, Jose Aldo then beats Rob Font, his student, what? which I think is just a really That's interesting amazing. and cool, wow. cool factoid I found. Is there is there a worse way to lose than TKO parentheses submission to soccer kicks? <laughs> no, there's no. That's a great that's way to lose because be. every, no. also soccer kicks KOs should be by submission because if you're about to get soccer kicked, you should be tapping out, screaming, "I I quit!" like right away. So I wish there was more of those. Yeah, that's why he went into coaching because he's a smart man. <laughs> He, he is if you his website has like all his accomplishments and one of them is that he fought Jose Alto and that he <laughs> is well, the jujitsu coach for Rob Fall whatever and I was and like was, this is incredible and was not I knocked out this. but it was not knocked out by a soccer kick because no, he rolled over he, and was and was quitting he <laughs> sub- submitted that's uh, super smart yeah, yeah good the la- the only other guy I had I just wanted to make a note to Luis De Paulo because that man fought one time. He fought once in his career. It was Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo beat him to within an inch of his life. It is a savage beatdown. He gets crucifix. He ends up arm trying this dude. But that dude fought Jose Aldo in the regional scene. It was like, I'm good. I don't need to do this <laughs> anymore. And that's how I would react. So I wanted to shout out Luis De Palma because that's exactly what I would do if I fought Jose Aldo on the come up. Does anyone have... Any names? Any anybody else they wanted to throw out? Shout out anything like that? Yeah, of course so I do. Say, I, I, I went. Oh, go ahead, Shane. You go first. Oh, go for it. No, no, go for it. Okay, go for it. Okay. Okay. I can't believe I thought this was going to be on your list, Jeb, when you started saying you had like a few options, and I thought you were going to take it. But of course, you know me. I got to bring the Ultimate Fighter angle here. Uh, one, Mr. Jonathan Brookins. Remember that guy? Remember Jonathan Brookins? Like he won. He won tough. My he guy, won Ultimate Jonathan Fighter twelve. Brookins won a very clear decision against Michael Johnson. I'm pretty sure Michael Johnson was favored going to that fight. I, I don't remember the exact odds, but this was the GSP cost check season. I think they're both GSP guys. Um, anyway, and Brookens won a good decision against him. That was at lightweight, immediately just back down to 145, wisely. Uh, and then in his, in, he goes one and three in the UFC, but he loses like Eric Coe, who was a top 145 at the time, uh, Doe Bronx and Dustin Poirier. So uh, congratulations. Damn, on winning that the is a tough <laughs> run for Congratulations him. on winning the ultimate fighter, buddy. Um, but and, I didn't and even as Brookins' run was that. Oh my god, that dude, it was hard. Tight. It was rough. Well, that's Damn, a thing. Dude. I think because he's bad enough to convince him not to fight MMA anymore. So yeah, maybe when you said wisely drops down to one forty-five, uh, you were right. incorrect in that assessment. Well, I think because he won the Ultimate <laughs> Fighter, they're like, oh yeah, he's the Ultimate Fighter winner. This immediately boosts him in the next tier of competition. And my god, uh, that tier of competition was insanely deadly. And again, two names that are two still of them are top five lightweight champions. Top <laughs> lightweight champions. Um, and uh, and the fight itself is kind of interesting. It's like a little competitive in the first round. Aldo pulls away in the second, and then just smokes. He smokes John the Brookins with a right hand. And if you watch it, guys, watch this. He pulls back on a soccer kick. We actually almost probably saw it as qualification. I noticed that in the rewatching. Yes. I was like, "Ooh, that would have been <laughs> awesome and it. terrible." He, he wanted it. We he almost had a win over Jose Aldo. So it John the Brookins, been Anderson Silva DQ uh, lost to to Yushin Okami of, yes. of Aldo's career. Oh, so close forever. So close, Jonathan Brookins. Uh, hopefully, he's somewhere and just enjoying his life. Because yeah, what is uh, what a strange uh, 
early opponent in uh, in Jose's uh, WEC career. Can I, I? I have two quick anecdotes about Jonathan Brookins. Um, I love <laughs> love the anecdotes. That's what the people are here for. Because I remember, because I I did a couple things with Jonathan back in the day, and I I so I at some point in my life had a decent relationship with him, so we talked quite a bit about stuff. And I remember him telling me that he before the Jose Aldo fight, so like before he's about to fight Jose, it was like either the day before or two days before or something. It was on the fight week. He, he Jonathan wakes up super early, like he's really yoga. Like I'm just gonna get up the earliest a human being could possibly get up. Like he is all about that life. Jonathan gets up super early to go to the sauna, the, the gym, whatever is in the hotel. And he goes to, to use the treadmill. There's only one treadmill in the entire gym. And he is up before anybody else on the planet is up. And Joe, he walks into the gym and Jose Aldo is on the freaking treadmill. He is on the only treadmill in the whole damn place using it and just like unapologetic about it. And Jonathan was like, I was so mad. Like I was so just personally mad that this one guy <laughs> beat me in my one particular thing that I'm supposed to be good at. Like how the hell did he get up? Uh, and so I that always remember that sticking with it's me. The old just, Kobe story. Just the drive. I'm there before everybody else is. The drive of, of young Jose Aldo. And then the second thing, I'll do, uh, very quickly, I remember Jonathan talking about this particular fight. He was saying essentially like in the lead up, his coach being like, hey, John, you, you really need to defend the leg kicks. Like the leg kicks are here. And it, it, with this guy, like that's a big part of his game. And, and Jonathan had we had only been in so number of fights, and he he he'd been pretty successful. And his mindset at the time is like, oh, leg kicks don't hurt. Like that was his response to this guy. He's like, oh, leg kicks don't hurt. I'll be fine. I don't need to worry about the leg kicks. He definitely needed to worry about the leg kicks. He got the his leg utterly destroyed. He got his, the crap kicked out of him. And he was telling me later. I, I think I was talking to him in like 2014 about this. So it was it was so many years removed from whenever this fight was. And he he was telling me to this day. Uh, his knee would still swell up and have fluid in it and had cartilage all out of place just because Jose ripped so many muscles in the leg and like blood was draining into the knee after that fight for almost like two months. Like they would have to use like a syringe to syringe the blood out of the knee like two months later after fighting this guy. And it's still happening. It's, <laughs> you do not want to fight Jose Aldo. And uh, Shane, I want to read this quote from your uh, The Night We Fought. The yeah, your classic, The Night We Faced, Jose Aldo, a feature. This is another quote. One more quote from Brookins. He says, by the second round, I was just like almost trying to jump over the leg kicks. <laughs> every time they were coming, every time they were coming, I remember being terrified. <laughs> this is a pro fighter. <laughs> That's scary. That whole piece is awesome. I, uh, I mean, yes. I, mean, I, 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 I just, a, just a quick message to all the fans here that if you love a, a, a fighter, if you have your favorite fighter, just tell him to, to never let John uh, write a story about that. Like, the night we face Aldo, the night we face whoever. That just ends careers. Ends careers. Oh, no. Oh. Don't do that, Guy. I think yeah, you know, you're right. Bisping, wasn't Bisping after? He retired, That's right? True. No. Well, Bisping, okay, so I, Anderson, I think Bisping was the before the GSP. No one, way. Right? So not the Anderson. So I did Anderson before Weidman two. That didn't go well. <laughs> I did I did Jose before um, obviously Connor. Connor. That didn't go well. I did Nate Diaz before the Connor rematch. That didn't go well. Although I would Great I would fight. argue that Nate Diaz has had a very fine sure. career. Um, Great fight. Yeah, I did Michael Bisbing, but he was like going to the Hall of Fame. I don't know that that counts. Yeah, it yeah, like it was after. Retirement. It was after. It was not it before count. GSP. It was. Not, but also, but that, I will say, so he didn't have a damn eye. Also, I will say when I started, he lost an eye. And I, when I started working on Michael Bisbing, he was still an active fighter, and he okay. was supposed to have one more retirement fight, and then he got so scared of that retirement fight because of the Al Shadi curse that he just didn't 
he just didn't even have it. Yeah, uh, it's true. And then I, the last one was DC before the, uh, the the Miocic rematch. rematch. Yeah, the Miocic, the Miocic trilogy. His last fight trilogy. Yeah. Oh my. Man, actually, I you know what? I did Pitbull before the McKee fight people. too. Oh no. Yes. It is me. Wow. It's all my fault. The Al Shadi curse is real, <laughs> tell you, man. Grim Reaper. That curse is real. Don't let anybody know about Sorry. this, guys. I can't let this get out there. Oh, this is just between us, right? I'll, I'll edit this from the yeah, pod. Yeah, no one's listening to this. Yeah, yeah, this is off the record. I'll, I'll remove it from the pod. Wow. Uh, did anyone else have anyone for Ivan Menjavar that didn't get mentioned or anything we brought up here? Uh, Dope. I had I had Mario Begola, who it was the exact same reason as you, Jed. You, you had a guy who fought once, and it was against Jose. Mario Begola fought Jose. It was the only fight of his career. It was They were both debuting, and he lost via 18-second head kick and was like, MMA's good. I'm good. I don't need to ever do this again. I mean, totally agree. <laughs> he saw the fight. You can find it on YouTube. He just comes out, gets kicked right in the head. Fight's done. So That's the end of my career. I'm good. Yeah. That sounds terrible. I would not like to do this anymore, please. Uh, the next category, the Fedor Sweater of Absolute Victory Award. And this is for one piece of memorabilia from Jose Aldo's career, if, if you could have it and keep it. Uh, mixed bag of things that happen here. Some people are good at this category. Some people are really bad at it. Let's start with historically the worst person that's ever <laughs> been at this category. Because it, it always it's always interesting even if sometimes it's very, very weird. AK, what is your favorite of absolute? Wait, why was I, what was the, some of the things I said before? Uh, what did I, I say we had for... Bloody Jockstrap was the yes. first ever one yep. he's given. Definitely. Uh, I remember that now. That was Carlos Condit. Um, didn't for the Joanna, who, where did you, weren't you the one who did like a, like a latex jumpsuit? That's a Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey, there we go. Okay, I'm starting to see what you're saying. Okay. Super, another <laughs> I'm one that's starting super, to see what you're saying. Listen, listen. You another one that was like a bloody we don't something need to, that was bad fine. too. It's fine. We don't need to go over it. You, you've I, made I, your point. Two examples is enough. I won, uh, this, this, I, I, think, won the, I won this category this time around. I'm just going to throw that oh, out. You've well, got I think it? we're oh. all in agreement. I have a feeling we're all good. This one I think was an easy one. This is what usually I struggle with this, which is why I end up with coming, coming up with something like bizarre. I think this one's pretty easy. Uh, there is, of course... Of course, the beloved moments on YouTube. A two-minute clip of Josie Aldo trying out, right? Trying out his suit for the first time. Yeah, we were all, I think, I, I, the only question is what item? Like, I would, like, want anything that he tried on that day. Uh, especially one of the, just give me one of the hats. Because I believe in the video he tries on a bowler hat and a beret. Uh, the beret would be amazing. I give me the beret that was once upon Jose Aldo's head. Uh, I don't know where you guys landed if, if you also went to this video. But, yes, what an amazing moment. Again, anyone who hasn't seen it. Josie Aldo trying on suit. It's on YouTube. Two minute clip. Best one of the most joyous two minutes uh, of MMA related content you'll see in your life. Um, right up there with uh, uh, New York Rick getting his head shaved by uh, by mm -hmm. Paulo Costa. And uh, yeah, I, I would just say that's some some item from there. I'll go. With, I'm taking the beret. AK, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, that mm -hmm. is. I have three items. That was the first one that came to mind. <laughs> I think it's the the choice. It has. You to be. picked one that's reasonable and good. <laughs> I have some others before we get to my other choices. Does anybody else, uh, Sean? It seems like you're very much. This is where you're at. It has to be. That that's one of the best videos on the internet. It it's is. just like it's a, a a absolute kid version of Jose Aldo trying out his very first suit, joking around with his pals, pre fame, pre money, pre all this, just like loving life. 
and saying "ooee" <laughs> like forty times. It's just fantastic. And it speaks to Guy's earlier point of why th- this is an everyman. This is he's very relatable because, like, I remember giving my first suit. Like, it's it's very much. Uh, Guy, Steven, did you guys have anything else for this category outside of the suit? Yeah, I have one. Oh, let's hear it, uh, when, I, when I worked for Tatami Magazine, uh, it was right before the the first Chad Mendes fight in Rio. And he won. Uh, he was People started calling him King of Rio. Uh, we had like a popular uh, soccer magazine here in, in Brazil that did a photo shoot with a soccer star at the time. Because uh, like the local teams, they had like, uh, Romario, if you know soccer, you know Romario and other great players. Like, and they would crown the king of Rio to whoever uh, was the top scorer of that year. And this uh, player won. He then did a photo shoot with a, a crown. Like they they dressed him as a awesome. king. And and after uh, Jose Aldo won the Chad Mendes fight, I I I told the editors at the time we should do the same with Jose Aldo. We should just buy uh, a crown and stuff like that and do a, a photo shoot with him and put on the cover of the next magazine and they like uh called him and told the, the the idea to do the interview for the next edition of the magazine and when i showed up there that my my colleague didn't buy the the king stuff and i was like what <laughs> i mean i don't know it's okay he's gonna just do the interview it's gonna be fine we just use a random picture of the of the of the fight, I mean, no, no, I, I won't let it happen. And I just took the subway. It was like a month before the carnival, and I took the subway to to find a store that was already selling stuff for the carnival to buy, uh, like a crown and and other things to to dress him as a king. And that was the cover of the magazine. I I, I tried to find it online now. I couldn't find it. Oh. And I would choose to have the crown. I have no idea what that thing is right now. Wow. Uh, I don't know if he kept this. He, he, he reposts a lot of things today on his Instagram stories. And I think one of his teammates at the time took a picture of him wearing the crown that day. And it's on his Instagram right now in the stories. So when this uh, podcast goes live, he won't be there anymore. Uh, but I think that's the, the crown I bought that day. And I think he kept it. I don't know. I would choose to have that crown. Oh, that's man. a good so one. That's a simple one. That's a good it's, one. It's, it's, it's not. It's, it's not so like cool. a, a great crown. It's like a stuff for 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 carnival. But I would yeah. choose to to have no, that. No, that is an that's an incredible one. Uh, damn, I, that might honestly be better just with the context and the story than than the suit stuff. Uh, I had two more. One. When he is when he becomes the king of Rio, after he knocks out Chad Mendez, jumps into the crowd, does the whole celebration. I don't know what any of this means, but he they've hoisted him on their shoulders, and he grabs a flag that says Tor- "Torcida Hovum," uh, and it's a black and red flag, and he starts waving it around. Give me that flag because that. That's like one of the most iconic moments in the history of the sport, as far as I'm concerned. That would rule. You know, have the arena boot him for that. Did they? I don't know yeah. what that flag means at all. Yeah, all I know that's is that, a, that was dope. That's a flag for his uh, soccer team, Flamengo. Uh, and so not like, a lot of Flamengo flags. If, if you want to find him, grab the flag. Yeah, no, there's a lot of uh, uh, supporters of Flamengo. It's like the one of the the, the teams with more supporters in the world. So, but. If you did after, uh, if you do that after a fight, and 
this fan is not a Flamengo supporter, he's going to boo you. Well, that's why I mean, he just grabbed fair. the flag just for three seconds yeah. and just uh, dropped it because people were booing well, him. I just want to stop booing me. So just like, <laughs> forgot about that. Well, I would have loved to have been the guy who picked up that flag. I would also accept if you could cut out the portion of the cage that he grabbed to not get taken down by Chad Mendez before he <laughs> kneed his face into the stratosphere uh, and then frame that, I would put that on my wall 100%. <laughs> so, uh, Steven, did you have anything that's not been mentioned? Uh, I'm pretty sure mine wasn't mentioned. I I was I used the uh, suit uh, bit for a, a later category. Uh, so I just put Jeremy Stevens' soul because he stole it with that body shot. And uh, <laughs> the reason I put that... Oh, oh wow. The reason I put that... It's like that. After, Jerem- it after is like Jose that. Aldo beat him with that body shot, uh, Stevens' career went steeply downward. And he was never, never really exactly the same kind of guy. And it was all because of that. Body oh wow, shot. you're right. I'm just that gonna. Was, three. He was, was on a three fight. He was on a three fight. He was on a three fight win streak. I'm just looking this up now. And then, as Steven just mentioned, loses has his soul taken apparently by Jose Aldo, and then goes winless in his next against very good competition, but winless in his next six fights. Wow. I mean, he was known for his leg kick early in his career, but later in his career, he was known to me as much for his body shot. He had a great, great body shot, and I don't think there's any better example of that than the Stevens fight. Stevens is a very, very tough guy, or at least he was for the majority of his career. He took a lot of shots and survived a lot of stuff, and to hit Jeremy in the body the way he didn't stop him cold like that, to me, was insanely impressive. And then I looked at the actual aftermath of Stevens' career. I'm like, oh yeah, things like really went downhill after that, so that's what I put. That's uh, a phenomenal answer that I did not see coming. So I love I love the ones that I don't anticipate the most. This this might be the best Speaking, round of uh, of Fedor's uh, really sort of victory one. we've ever had. Holy cow, those are all it, like amazing. It really was a very good one. Uh, speaking of those leg kicks, I'm going to use that to seg- segue yes. us into our next category, the International Player Haters Ball. This is to nitpick the fighter's career, nitpick Jose Aldo's career. If you've got any things that are negatives about him, I know it's impossible because he's one of the greatest fighters ever. The only nitpick I have about Aldo's career is that he stopped kicking people in the legs. He used to do it a lot. It was the thing, especially in the WEC days, it's all they talked about is how he, I mean, apparently he permanently maimed Jonathan Brookins for life. And then he really gets away from it. I, I looked at the numbers and there really is a stark drop off, uh, basically after like his second UFC fight. Occasionally he'll make he uh, he brought it back, but mostly he went to. And I think Guy was saying earlier. My guess is a lot of it had to do with him being more defensively minded and, and a changed approach to the game. But that was the only nitpick I had for his whole career. Is, is that certainly late career Aldo? It was an ever present question of when is is he going to kick people in the legs? He should do more of that than anybody else. Does anybody else find fault with Jose Aldo? I found it tough to do so. Sean. Yeah. I mean, this, this pains me to, to, to say, because obviously I love the man and, and he, he meant a lot to sort of my journey through MMA, but I, I do think there is a legitimate 
nitpick when you just look at sort of the second half of his title reign and sort of what he became, to, I think, to a lot of UFC fans. Because we like to think of him as his WEC era, right? Jose Aldo was this murderer, even the Chad Mendes fights. But I think there was a, a very long period of time where he was this supreme talent who just almost refused to like lay all of his cards on the table once he was very established as champion. Like There are a lot of snoozers sprinkled in amongst the, the the second half of his title reign. And it was to the point where it was like, here was a guy who had a lot of people very mentally beat by the time before they even got into the fight. And so guys would approach Jose in a very careful, cautious way. And he was more than happy to, to content and content to cruise and just do enough to win and just sort of just kind of, right. I'm just beating you a little bit, beating you a little bit. And by the end, it's a 50 45 and it was never close, but it was also like sort of what Izzy's going through now. Right. Where it's just, he, he very much he, he no one was pushing him in the way that he needed to be pushed to really get the greatness out of him if you i remember someone telling me like if you're in second gear he'll go to third if you're in fourth he'll go to fifth but he'll always just go just a little bit above wherever you are just enough to eke it out um and it was i mean i think that was very frustrating for a lot of people at the time myself included like there are some fights in there no one's watching him versus ricardo lamas you know or, or any of these other just ladder title title defenses it's it's a it's a symptom of you know long titlehood right I mean or long championship reign yeah generally you mm-hmm. become more conservative we saw, as, we saw as, as Jones, people right and GSP is an example I think of is a classic example yep yep really Anderson is like the only guy they, who never <laughs> fell into that oh, and he did briefly oh, though oh, he did briefly say, we're, we're gonna just pretend no Anderson, Anderson definitely did, did the middle of his career didn't he, have that he did briefly but I mean like old version of Anderson was still out here doing ridiculous stuff against guys like the, the very end of the title run Anderson, he's putting on Stephen Bonner type fights. He came out of it for sure. But yeah, like I I think it's what Steven said. It's, it's just any long reigning champion sort of, there hasn't been one in MMA that hasn't had that except maybe DJ. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think DJ off the top of my head. DJ's criticisms were largely that flyweight was bad unless his performances weren't stoked, like awesome. But uh, he went to some decisions with some people, but I'd have to go. That's this, that's a DJ conversation, not a Jose Aldo. I think it's a fair criticism and it speaks to kind of the broader point. I know we talked about the fight already, but part of the reason that Chandler Aldo rematch is so big is, that narrative existed going into that, that Jose is, he's winning a lot of decisions. He is not doing the things that you people Mendes. fell in love with him for. You said, yeah, uh, you said okay. your favorite fighter, Chad, uh, Michael Chandler. To, yeah. yeah. I was trying to figure I know you love talking about Michael sorry. Chandler. Yeah. You never miss an opportunity. They're the same guy. Look at them. Sure. They're More both or large. The same <laughs> they're the same person, just down <laughs> a weight class. Oh, stop. Uh, my bad on that. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, that, that narrative existed. And then Chandler brought out the best in Jose and, even if it was him still just staying one level up, Chandler kept ramping it up and Jose kept answering the call and, and one-upping him. That's what made that fight awesome. So that's a fair criticism. Does anyone else have any more? I have an unfair criticism. Oh, okay. That's fine too. <laughs> and this actually might segue, as long as no one has anything else, this actually might segue into your ne- our next usual uh, bit, Jed. If that's okay, not to take the, the reins, but the alternate, it may, no, no, I, yeah, I it might it. lead right into it. Why don't you segue us right okay, into it? Okay, I will, because okay? this is also a little bit of a criticism. Um, I, I wish he had he had uh, fought Conor McGregor at 196. RDA, of course, goes out. Nate Diaz steps in instead. 
one of the again leads to a, a whole other alternate path of uh, history for both men for both nate diaz and mcgregor takes both their careers to the next level you know whatever um uh as uh, as ion guillerme had written up for our site back when this happened um josie Aldo just wasn't ready at the time uh, uh his coach uh uh, Dede said, you know, just uh, it, was a, it was like a week, only a week's notice, a little over a week's notice. Aldo just isn't ready. Um, he had made a post earlier in that year saying, like, I, I, I will only fight. You know, I only want a McGregor title shot. I'm ready anytime, anywhere. Obviously, that's not meant to be taken literally. I get it. But for me, the optics of it, I was a little disappointed. I was a little disappointed. It, it's certainly reasonable for Aldo not to take the fight more than reasonable. Um, but I do remember thinking, man, this is his moment this is his moment to like jump in there and again one more time if they're not ready they're not ready you you, sh- you should not force someone to fight but I, I i always thought man what if he had had been ready what if he had just been poised to take this mcgregor uh fight for months and months and months and just stayed like right you know just right in the right shape to be able to take that opportunity if it came up and i thought this was it um and i was disappointed so this is yeah this is kind of goes into the alternate universe thing that we normally discuss jed um God, because I tell you, if that fight happened again, Aldo would just smoke his ass. <laughs> <laughs> it it does lead us into the alternate universe, the next category of the biggest what if. And to AK's point, uh, similar, uh, not the same, because I totally forgot about how 196 and that whole shook out. But it was, as we mentioned, just what if Connor doesn't one shot him? What if they actually fight? How does it play out? Uh because I'm not taking away. That's that is a clean punch. It's as good a punch as you'll see. And honestly, the way it's set up with eight months of borderline bigotry and just inflammatory comments to incite this sort of action out of Aldo, somewhat uncharacteristic, especially at that point of his career. It's all done. But what if they just got in a fight? you know, and, and just had it out. What if even later stage they fought, uh, because that the dynamics of that fight were still so fascinating. It still are. They'll forever be because Connor does have the one shot. Everything else about Aldo's game is, is really well aligned to beat Connor McGregor. And so it, it, it just, it will always be the biggest, what if for me, and, you know, could have some other ones about what if he had moved up to 155 or dropped the bantamweight sooner, et cetera. The biggest one for me will always be, what if these two dudes actually fought instead of the thing that happened? Uh, what about what about you guys, Stephen, Gee, Heen? Where are you at on on the what ifs of of Jose Aldo's career? I think it's what if he he doesn't lose to Max Holloway, as he would still be the featherweight champion. Uh, Corner was going to box Floyd Mayweather, and maybe he comes back and. Aldo fights for the lightweight title against him instead of like Connor staying out for so long. I mean, that's. Or maybe Connor goes back to 45 to fight Aldo again. God, I wish. I think the, the biggest one is uh, what if Connor doesn't win or doesn't win yeah. like that. But I think him him not losing to, to, to Max the first time would make things interesting in a way that maybe Connor goes back to 45 or maybe Aldo finally moves up to 55. Chase him up. Yeah, to five Habib or to five uh, Connor. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it feels like I, I have any what if. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it feels like any what if you have to have about Jose Aldo in regards to this category is going to include Connor McGregor to some degree. And, and that was sort of where mine was too. Although I, I, mine was, what if they actually do fight at 189? 
because if you remember the circumstances going to that, everything was kind of not going to go it, like it, it, regardless of however you think they match up, it would have been a different fight because Connor was so hurt. His knee was barely basically hanging on by a thread when he goes in there to fight Chad Mendes. Like he was deeply hurt and he was just going to say, screw it. I'm just going through with it. Like there's too much in this to, to back out. If you, if you go against Jose Aldo, especially that level of Jose Aldo, like kind of compromised, we're not seeing a 13 second knockout and we're probably maybe seeing a different result entirely. And at that point, that was the greatest UFC event of all time. I still think it's the greatest UFC event of all time. And it was such a massive platform. If Jose goes out there and beats a compromised Conor McGregor at UFC 189, he probably becomes a superstar to some degree, right? Like he's not going to become Conor at all because he can't he couldn't speak english and there's just elements of him that were obviously never going to be that guy but like he maybe becomes like anderson silva level of star of just like this is like someone who is just truly generational star wise like i don't know there's just so many sliding doors moments with that and it sets up the inevitable rematch right because if immediately after losing connor says my knee's jacked whatever connor comes back the whole Mayweather thing doesn't happen. So honestly, we're probably better off as a sport <laughs> if Connor doesn't go box Floyd, should be dope for yeah. all of us. But uh, but then he'll he's still Connor. He, they're still gonna put him back in a title fight. Jose had you know did a rematch with Chad Mendes. He ultimately rematches Frank Yeager. Like he he has rematches in the books. Connor picks up two wins. There and and there's the story of well, my knee was shot and I fought you. Now let's do it for real. And then you do, I mean, that rematch is the biggest fight in UFC history. Like that's, it's just absolutely enormous. So, I mean, that would have been dope, been way cool. I'd have super been into that. Okay. No and one has said. anything else in the alternate universe. <laughs> but, no, I mean, I, I'll throw in one more quick one then before we move on. I will say one other one that I came up with. It's like, what, what, what if he would actually fought Anthony Pettis? Cause at one point the two of them were like booked. Well, well, and, let's let's talk about that. Yeah. Yep. In the next category, it's in there, which is the Habib Tony Award for what's the fight that never happened that you wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Number one with a bullet for me is Anthony Pettis. <laughs> I have two more also on the list, but Sean, why don't you take it away in the Anthony Pettis cat? I think a lot of people don't realize that that was like a thing that was actually booked for like a very brief moment of time, where Anthony Pettis is sort of at the pinnacle of his career, right, and then. Jose Aldo, same. It was just sort of this dream match that we didn't think we could get, and then all of a sudden it was there. Uh, didn't end up happening, happening obviously. But the just, kicks. Think of the kicks. Yeah, man. The, UFC, di- the dynamic actions in that fight would have just been outrageous. UFC 163. And uh, that instead became a somewhat underwhelming fight between uh, Korean Zombie and, and Jose Aldo. It was great to see Korean Zombie get a title fight, but uh, obviously it was not a bit... felt like a, a, real, a big drop down at the time from... from uh, honestly, we... We didn't give it the credence we should have, but obviously Connor is the the low point. Somehow making Korean Zombie not fun is probably the second <laughs> low point of Joe Aldo's career because it's pretty tough to to me be like, ooh, Korean Zombie fight. I don't care if I watch this. It's not a thing that happens a lot. Uh, I'm gonna anyone say- else in the. I'm going to say his uh, uh, Josh Grisby at UFC 125 because that would have uh, robbed us of all the, the pleasure of watching him administer some street justice in the cage to a known <laughs> dirtbag. 
That wow. one wasn't even on my radar, but as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> Steven, I love it. You're coming from the rafters, baby. I'm so pulling, wait, pulling I, it right I almost out of the forgot about this. <laughs> so this I, was originally... I love it. So, Steven, this was originally what Eric Coe versus Aldo. Then Aldo... What happened? What Dude, happened I forgot one? Eric Coe was... Like this, this is one of those mutant before, fights yeah. where both both fighters ended up getting removed, and it somehow became Crispy versus Dustin Poirier. Is this? Am I remembering this? I just correctly? I just, just have I'm, I'm Aldo out uh, for neck and yes, yeah, it's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. I think he still got some street justice from Poirier though, if that helps. Uh, I remember Poirier handling him pretty pretty badly. So, um, yeah. I mean, wow, Josh he, Crispy. Josh Crispy went zero and four in the UFC. So. Uh, <laughs> Several several justices were were administered appropriately. <laughs> yeah, uh, I totally forgot that that was supposed to be his UFC debut or whatever <laughs> instead of the Hominic fight. Um, also, I anyone will say, else? Yeah, yeah, Aldo Sterling, man. Like the that's, fact that oh we God. didn't get it. That's my number two. Oh, yeah, man. That's true. What, I'm not gonna I'm let's not gonna go, relitigate it. No, we don't need to relitigate. Let's, do it. let's go. Because we've we've <laughs> we been on we twenty different podcasts. We've been on twenty different podcasts saying the same thing for months. Where it's just, <sighs> what are you Garbage. doing? Like, if you're gonna throw away the last Jose Aldo title shot, title run, whatever, if you're gonna throw it away, why are you throwing it away to someone who is not gonna be fun, not gonna be entertaining, and has no actual path to the to the to the title say, because he's not gonna fight? Not gonna be fighting yeah. for the title. You literally threw this away. For no reason. We have nothing. We gained nothing from this terrible matchup that you put in altitude for our, to send our legend off. We gained zero. We didn't gain a contender. We didn't gain a possible matchup. We gained zero. We killed off a contender who's beloved for no reason. It's just stupid. All we did was lose. So it would have been obviously in my what if, but for this category, because I maintain and will until I die. Jose Aldo beats Aljamain Sterling. I totally we'll never you. know. We'll never know. But Marab is a much more difficult fight. Marab at altitude is a much more difficult fight. I just, I, I would be confident in Jose in that fight. Frankly, like I'm not saying he's the best bantamweight because I, he, he lost to Piotr Jan. I would pick him to lose to Piotr Jan again if they fought. I think Corey Sandhagen's a pretty tough fight for him in a lot of ways, too. I think TJ even beats him. T I think TJ's a really, really fun fight. I would have loved to watch that fight, but I'd probably favor TJ. I just think Al Aljo is the justified champ that I've been ranking champ forever since he won the belt, but I think it's a really bad fight for it's him. It's the worst possible style matchup. Like he's yeah. not gonna get Aldo down. He's not gonna get Aldo's back. Like it's he's just not. not something people do. And he's just gonna get outpointed for four rounds and then maybe he wins the fifth and that's okay because jose jose only needs to win four of them to take the judges cards baby and it's and it's, it's a shame that we 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 didn't get aldo and Cerrudo. they were sure they were they booked were, to fight him in brazil they were booked i i'm fine i would have watched and been happy with that fight but i think Cerrudo is pretty tough for him uh at this stage of his career I mean, i'd be, love to be wrong but I, I mean, I wanted the world where he beats Aljamain Sterling in. They do it in Rio. Screw it. I don't care. Make him fight in Rio. He gets to be the king of Rio. He is the champion. And then he walks away at the pinnacle of the sport. Just the goat. Because if he gets the Bantamweight belt, even if it's maybe not like 
the cleanest win. Nobody talks about how GSP wasn't ever like really the best middleweight in the world because it doesn't <laughs> matter for the narrative. And then he goes out on top. It would have been everything I want in sports if that had happened. And they took it from us for Marab freaking Balashvili. Promotional malpractice. Utterly ridiculous. Uh, I'll, I'll just throw out Dominic Cruz. I'm surprised no one no one threw that out there. I would have loved He's on my list, him and, but I don't yeah. care. I, I love I, – no, I think it's a fun matchup. I also just beat the hell out of Cruz maybe, the I'm, problem she probably would have. interest in it. I think that's a fight that, that would have happened if Dominic Cruz was willing to come to Rio to fight in January. Sure, yeah. Because they right. won yeah. that fight. And that but, fight would have made but, sense. Uh, they they didn't like for, try, try and force that because they know Dominic would never come to Brazil to fight Jose Aldo. So Some, they just went the other that, that director to retire and all that. Sometimes and you got to take one for the team, Dominic, and you got to <laughs> go to Rio and and Luamo Hair. You got to die in Rio, and that's, that's okay. Right. For the rest of us to get the exit we deserve, and Jose Aldo deserves. Um, but yeah, that, but that what a nice end to the you know end quote unquote end to the WEC era that would have been arguably the two best guys to ever. I mean, one of them, Jose Aldo for sure. And really I, I was certainly bookend. consider Cruz be the number two um, to two best of five WEC just to meet at one thirty five, one forty catch weight. Screw it, don't even make them don't even make them cut weight. Make it a one forty catch weight. Whatever, whatever, whatever facilitates this matchup. Just open um, weight. Uh, who cares? Yeah. yeah, open weight. Who cares? Uh, Mike and I, and on to the next one. I mean, this is this matchup must have been brought up on at least like six or seven different episodes. It's just from by us, by the listeners. People want really want to see it. It's just who cares about title fights? Who cares about what it means for the rankings? Like, it, it would just be a nice, it. really poetic, cool moment. And um, again, they I, how do you see bring their WEC belts to the cage? Right. I just <sighs> like. Think about how savage that would be oh. if they both were just like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna do all of fight week with our old WEC belts," and just oh, now that's my gloves. number one. Oh, I yeah. don't know. Can, can we give them some blue gloves, gloves too? Like, oh, why not? Please. Can we can we talk to some people? Gee, get Jose on the phone. Be like, "Hey, man, I know you're out, but like, what if okay. this happens?" No, the UFC uh, doesn't believe in fun. They don't do fun things like it's that. A, it's a but fun like, thing. what if mm. we pitch this all to them? I will buy fifty pay per views myself to boost those numbers <laughs> if that's what we need. Like, I don't care. I know. All it's fun. I want is Jose versus Dominic Cruz now with all the WEC bells and whistles. Let's let's dig Todd Harris up. Give I know they don't like Frank Mir right now, but we can put him in the booth. It'll be great. Oh, it wouldn't guys. be hard for them to decorate the apex. I'm just saying that's what the apex is for, so they can futz around with it. So I, I don't think it'd be that difficult to throw blue, a splash of blue here and there, and you know, go see it up. But we'll I've been legitimately sad since hearing that Jose, like, like I, honestly, way way more sad than I thought I would be when someone retires. And I am now like despondent. <laughs> I'm a little bit heartbroken that this is never going to happen. As we've <laughs> as we've brought this up, it's like, damn, dude. <laughs> What a way! To, what a thing that could have been that just isn't. Oh, I'm sorry, listeners, that we probably ruined your day with that great bit of matchmaking. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatech compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. So we're going to bring it back, though, with the Brad Imes Award. It's the Brad Imes Whoa, are you serious? Award. This is named after Brad Imes. 
the hillbilly heartthrob, a 6'7 heavyweight who once won back-to-back fights by Goga Plata. So this is four, the most impressive or unbelievable career statistic. It's fun with math. You can do a lot of weird things. I have one. Does anyone have, is anyone super excited about this category or should I lead us off? I'm going to lead us off based on the facial expressions that I just got. I have one. It's only one. It's one single number. It is 2,405. That number is the days that Jose Aldo was the undisputed champion of the world at the featherweight weight class. That is good for second all time behind only Anderson Silva at 2,457. Now, if you add in the days that he was the interim champion uh, when Connor had vacated but hadn't actually vacated, whatever, his total record days as champion is 2,546. This is the most all time, and he does not get the credit he deserves for it. But this man, for nine years, finally was the champion of the damn world. And I, there's no more impressive statistic than being the guy who held the belt longer than anybody else in the history of MMA. That will always be the best stat for me. We need to cut out that 20-second clip. And anytime anybody on Twitter throws out some, oh, Max Holloway's the greatest featherweight of all time. Alexander Volkanovsky is the greatest featherweight. I'm just going to post that 20-second clip. Because that's it. That's all. You, that, that speaks to it. That's exactly it. 2,546, baby. That's, uh, that is a lot. Are you going time. to tag Steven on this tweet? Yeah, I think he will. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to just clip, uh, clip the two Steven clips next to each other. Tweets. <laughs> <laughs> Jet, I just would never extend do it further. I would never dream of it. Just, just extend it further, Jet. Uh, 25 and 1 to start his pro career. Um, and that one loss at lightweight, by the way. So uh, he, and he had some other lightweight fights too, but either way, through the first 26 fights of his pro career, did not lose when he was competing at 145 pounds. Um, this is from 2004 to 2015. Did not lose. And again, a n- numerous highlights. And as you guys saying, this is why he's still the best featherweight of all time. The, the Holloway consensus, consensus talk. Cons- the, every time Annex said consensus, I wanted to scream. I'm like, who, are, who it, was this consensus? Who, did, who are these people? Honestly, who are these people? that is the thing consensus. that bothered me the most. I wasn't part of this It consensus. was less that people said it than it was that Annex was like the consensus. Like, that's not what that word means. Because <laughs> it's even, very obviously not what that word means. In a moment and right now, Max and Alex will both tell you Jose's the featherweight goat. Mm-hmm. Like, both of them will tell you that. Yeah. Easily. And freely. AK, AK, to, I want to let you finish, but to your point, of the 25 and one Volkanovsky has a very similar resume. Oh, for where sure. He is X and one and his one loss was not in the weight class because you can't call Volk the goat until it's all said and done. Yep. Like you've got to see because he could lose his belt in two fights. Like that is just, you can't have the context until it's over. And Jose had a career of accomplishments, and that's why he's the featherweight goat. Yep. Well, please continue, AK. Yeah, longevity in combat sports matters. And that was my last note, is that Volkanovsky is well on his way. I love Alexander Volkanovsky. I'm such a huge fan. I think if you take Prime... He has prime, a chance to take it. For he sure. absolutely take, has a chance to take it. And if we're, even if we're talking Primes, if you take Prime Jose Aldo, the best personal version of Jose Aldo, and the best version of Volkanovsky, which is what we're seeing now... That's a super competitive fight. I, God, I'm I not making picks fight. either way, but like I think I think Volk you, probably wins, right? 
Like, I for sure. Vol- Volkanovsky could be, I mean, I, I could see it either way, but the fact that it's even a conversation tells you where Volkanovsky is. Like, he is, he's just that good. But yes, he needs, again, a few more tile defenses, a few more big, huge wins, um, and he can get them. And so Volkanovsky well on his way. But as of this recording, uh, I think we most people should be in agreement that Jose Aldo is number one at 145 pounds. And I hope, I hope Volkanovsky surpasses him. Because again, I love watching Volkanovsky fight. And if he goes in a run that surpasses Jose Aldo, what a treat that will be for all of us as, as fans. But right now, uh, let's give our respect to Jose, please. That's the thing is like Alex has it all in front of him. Because like, Jed, you've been banging the drum on this for a while now. Like that dude, people talk about he has cleaned out his division. Like that man has done the farthest thing from cleaning out the division. Like he could lose to Movzar Evloyev like two fights from now or one fight Mm -hmm. from now. Like there are a lot of really crazy up and comers coming up at Featherweight, Honor Allen, Teporia. Like you could just go on and on. By the end of it, he very well may be the greatest fighter we've ever seen. Like he's on that path, but he's just not there yet. Like there, we, we can't jump ahead in time. That's always what I've been saying about it. Because if he does clean out his division, then I, I, I'll say it. I'll be happy to agree because they're killers at featherweight. He just hadn't fought him yet, and we, we got to see. We are our time is going. So, does anyone else have anything for Brad Imes that exciting? Sean, I see you have one. I just have one, and it's not as good as your guys's, but it was something I was curious about uh, because historically. One thing that stands out to me when you mentioned Jose Aldo and his skill set, obviously the leg kicks stand out, but also just his takedown defense. His takedown defense was otherworldly. Best in history. To a degree that like even in his last fight ever against a man who takes down everybody, I think Marab went like 0 of 19, right? Like, like you were just, even when the people have caught up to him, he is still just refusing to get taken down. This is not a wrestler. This is not a guy who grew up wrestling. Like he is just naturally great at doing this particular thing. And so for me, my stat was 122 times, 122 takedowns were attempted against him throughout his UFC and WE career, or I'm sorry, uh, UFC and WEC career, which lasted about 14 years. Most of the time of those 14 years, he's fighting the best damn fighters in the entire world. 122 tried against him. 112, he stopped. 112 he stopped out of 122. 10 takedowns over a span of like 14 years against the best damn fighters in the world. That's all. That's all. Like it's just and, unbelievable. And you know who had one of those? And all that tra- in training in a gym without a uh, cage. Oh, Not when you didn't have a cage is until that like uh yeah. That is yeah. Not when you only had a cage and, and an octagon like for the past, I would say four years. Or something like that. I think they should have gone into that a little bit. Earlier, I gotta say, you know? they, yeah, they 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 <laughs> never had. It was like a small room, just as uh, a small room with uh, as uh, a small ring in the center, and that's it. Are you kidding me? They did. Yeah, that's true. So that's There's always that's extra unbelievable to me. For because uh, I, I remember have no idea. This is mind blowing. We there, there the lead here. Quote. We bury the lead. <laughs> there's an old quote that kenny florian told me a long time ago that has always stuck with me when it comes to the takedown defense and i have it up, up in front of me um florian says 
it, it's also his knowledge of cage wrestling. He's so good at digging his feet into the cage. There's a little mini moat between the cage and the mats. It dips down. No one talks about that. And it's something a lot of guys now are aware of. A lot of people don't want people to know about it because it's a very strategic thing that guys are using now in fights. And he was the first, one of the first guys to utilize it very well. He would stick his feet inside that little hole and it was almost impossible to remove his foot from there because it's grooved. You're telling me he this is just natural instinct? Like he wasn't training in a cage when all of this was happening? That's... That just blew yeah, my mind. Yeah, just training on uh, on the wall. It was just a wall. I ran the wall. Dude, let's give him no cage. Can we give Jose Aldo like two years of working with the cage and then see just see <laughs> and just then bring see him back. if Habib can yeah, take him he'll, down? He'll really be something. I just want to see if Habib could take him down. Listen, <laughs> I, I just want to add one of those one of those ten successful takedowns. One, Mister Jonathan Brookins. I, I just want to throw that out there. He's a, they, they, they weren't bad. I'm just saying this. I did a little mini. Damn, they weren't bad for Jonathan. Okay, dude. What do you think the most takedowns he ever gave up in a single fight was over the course well, of I 14 know, years? I, I know the answer, so I can't answer this one. But I know it specifically because that was a stat I was looking for for this. I know because I saw you you tweeting that. Oh, oh did you say. tweet it? I did earlier. Yeah. Uh, Frankie Edgar. AK, Prime Frankie Edgar, two Which of eleven. One? That was the best anybody ever did for takedowns against this man. Which His fight? Entire Which fight? Was that two both? of eleven. Is that the, is the that first one? The first, oh, the first one. Okay. The the first one. Two also, of eleven just, was your best night. Like, come on. Also, just just to be clear, one of those, the amount of control was milliseconds. Let's call it negligible. <laughs> Only one of them, like, did Frankie really hold position for an amount of time? So. Dude, this for my money. I, I mean, maybe it's Kamar Usman just because Usman has been taken down officially once in his UFC career or whatever. But for my money, Jose Aldo is the best defensive wrestler in the history of the sport. Like he's, I, I, it's just not that close to me. He he did it all in a division that is highly specific to wrestling. How many great wrestlers were in his in his division when he was ruling that division? Like. Pretty much all, everyone he fought for the most part was a great wrestler. And, and they all tried to take him down. And he was work. like, nah, we're good. We're good. Uh, anyone else uh, on on the Brad Imes Fun With Stats Award? I see no hands. We move on because this is, I knew it was going to be the longest damn, but we're trying to keep this sub three hours. Uh, the next award is the Sean Ferris Award for actor who should play them in a movie. Is named after Sean Ferris, the actor who played Jake Tyler in the cinematic masterpiece Never Back Down. Fun fact, a man has played Jose Aldo in a movie. I did not pick him. Uh, I don't, I have one choice here. I feel pretty good about it, uh, at least from a physical likeness standpoint. Maybe not from a human being who performs standpoint, but I will say Jose Loreto played him in. Guy, I'm going to let you say the title of this film because I sure can't do it. <laughs> it's uh, the actor's name is José Loreto. There you go. It's And uh, the movie is called Mais Forte Que O Mundo. And like stronger than, than, than the world. Str it's the, stronger it's than the, the world. It's a, a José yeah. Aldo biopic, essentially. And I didn't pick, pick that gentleman. I picked Jaden Smith. Uh, I'm just throwing that one out to start because if huh. you side by side their photos, he's young. He's a young enough actor, and he has a lot of similar 
facial characteristics. Okay. I almost went. I could uh, see this. I could uh, almost went okay. Michael K. Williams just for the face scar because th- that would be a, a meta and funny thing to do. But R.I.P. Mike K. Williams. I was going to say that, that oh, I have other issues with the Michael K. Williams casting. <laughs> yeah. The R.I.P. Just uh, one of the most talented actors of my lifetime. Yeah. But. Wonderful. Okay, this is this is your category. You know, you, yeah. You shine well, in this category. I had to go uh, brute force this one because I'm not familiar. My first instinct would be to go uh, again. I, uh, Jose Loreto already had his chance, but I would say I would ask Guy like, is there another kind of young up and coming actor? Maybe not a huge name. Uh, I would be more most comfortable, I think, casting a, a Brazilian actor. But Guy, if, if on that note, I actually would like because I don't obviously know anything about Brazilian yeah. cinema. Guy. Was was Jose Leto a good a good choice for this? Was yeah, like he, is that a good movie? Would there have been a, I, I I'm very yeah, curious. I like it. Yeah, I like it. If if you if you guys haven't watched it yet, uh, it's it's a good movie. It tells his story and all that. Uh, I I already knew like his entire story, so there was never something new to me. But uh, but like it's a well made like think, quality movie. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the the only thing I don't like them about that movie is, is that they made Jose Aldo throw a, a Showtime kick. It makes no sense. It's in the trailer. It's in the trailer. It's in the trailer. That's not right. It makes no sense. Listen, listen. No, never. Let, I I, yeah. I wish he had. Uh, and uh, you know, by the way, there's probably people out there okay. who and and, and just, sorry, sorry, Kate. Go ahead, uh, Kate, go ahead. But Jose Loreto wasn't the the original actor uh, oh. that was going to play oh. Jose Aldo. It was going to be uh, Malvino Salvador. Wasn't wasn't a a good choice. Uh, he's he's now uh, married to Kira Gracie. Uh, huh. he, he, I mean, he, he doesn't look like Jose Aldo by far, <laughs> uh, but he, he he likes Jiu Jitsu and all that. But I mean, that the Jose Loreto, yeah, Jose Loreto is a is a better choice compared to Movino Salvador. Oh, okay. Was, was that like really a popular for... movie? Like, was that a big movie in Brazil? I mean, the 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 biggest. Mistake is that they they waited for the Jose the the, the Connor fight. Oh to, no! To release that they were they were they were playing like okay, there's this mega fight. Yes, Aldo is gonna win, and then boom, it's gonna be a huge success. So when Aldo loses, it's like disaster. So they just postponed it and they released that. I think it's a month before the Frankie Edgar fight. Yeah. So Aldo just lost in 13 seconds. It just. Yeah, I mean, if, if 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 they release that before the corner fight, I think it's going to be a, a success. But eh. I was gonna I was gonna Tough add. There's timing. probably a lot. There's, there's probably a lot of people who are like, I don't remember there being like a, a Jose Aldo biopic. Like, why did I not hear about this? And I'm like, this is why you didn't hear about it. Yeah, uh, I'm just reading here. January 14th, 2016, the original release date. As he said, how crazy would that have been? He beats Connor. Huge international release for this movie probably get some traction in north america people are actually watching this uh instead it's pushed back to uh summer summer of 2016 june 16th uh where probably just died a quiet death not in brazil but i mean over here probably got like no distribution no recognition so yeah yeah, so people who don't know yeah this is why why this movie um kind of just faded away and and didn't get but they made it like a a a four episode series series uh like you see where sometimes uh randomly i i I was watching tv like last week and it was it was on. Oh, just the movie. Like, wow. they, just they broke it up. Oh, okay. You know? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, movie movie executives it, needed to to talk to MMA journalists because we know a oh. thing or two about like planning features and stories no, and, no, and no, items no. for fights that never happen. Yeah, Should have talked to no, you directly. Uh, you just you have to be a mattress who's like a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. If she, damn, Sean, Sean, Sean did have that piece, man. We're gonna reset right now. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's gonna lose. He's gonna lose. No, they. Hey, listen, they... I, I I interviewed like having a mattress was like a a super popular comedian. Who, who played in that movie uh, as well. He's like, he's 6'5", and he plays Marcos Galvão, who's a bantamweight. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and he was telling the story that he was watching the, the, the fight with the whole crew. Uh, they, they got together to watch the Conor McGregor fight, and when Naldo lost in 13 seconds, it was like, that's it? Is it over? That's it? Yeah. Uh, well, listen, they, man, we lost. We just lost a lot of money. They they went all in, and I support that. I I, don't, I told I told Jed I don't like to hedge, so I'm glad they went all in. They assumed it was going to be a win, and they I mean they fell flat in their faces. But still, uh, I went with a deep cut here, guys. All right, so I wanted to find an actor who speaks Portuguese. This is this is assuming it's a Netflix of oh, Netflix. Some or someone picks us up. They want like no no we we want we want we don't necessarily just want a Brazilian person. We want to like cast outside the box here. So there's a young man named Lino Faccioli. And if you're wondering why I've heard of this young man, it's because he was on a very popular show, which you may all have heard of, called Game of Thrones. He played uh, one of the most despised characters in the show. Sex education. Sure. Uh, he's a very young man. Uh, he was Robin Aaron, who you guys, if you don't remember the name, was the uh, breastfeeding prince. Uh, that's probably how he's best known, oh, wow. the, the juvenile breastfeeding prince. So, oh yeah. So I feel wow. like he's that's also Dex cut. Thompson in Sex Education. He, if you've watched Netflix, ever. He, he's going to need to beef up. He's going to need to beef up for sure. He's kind of a skewed. I mean, you saw the show. He's a bit of a skinny boy, but I assume he's at least mature since then. He's actually he's British Brazilian, but he speaks fluent Portuguese. He's born in Sao Paulo. I um, was raised, of course, with that uh, with uh, um, Brazilian parents. So he speaks fluent Portuguese. He could he could play that part. Uh, I guess he probably wouldn't need to speak English much, but yeah, I went with, uh, and I, I think we can redeem this guy because I hope he isn't, no, like I said, uh, it's good he is on a show. He's a part of the Netflix family already, but I do think most people still know him as the uh, this very uh, insufferable character on Thrones, and perhaps we can we can uh, say, help help this young man's career so he's no longer has such a strong association with that uh, with that character. I can't look at him and imagine Jose Aldo. Yeah, Listen, he's an actor. He will, tra- work for me. He will transform <laughs> into the role. He's an oh, actor. Okay, okay, All right, okay. Who, we're, who going, we're, about we're that, not yeah. going for likeness. Who, who you we're got? not going for likeness. Key, I want to know who you got. That's a tough one. Because I, I think I think it would choose like uh, some... Uh, not I, w- I wouldn't go with a popular actor. Mm-hmm. I would go with someone that really looks like him. Like someone... Who's obviously talented, but uh, who looks more like him? Like I, I wouldn't go go with Jose Loreto. Uh He's a good actor, but I think we will choose someone like yeah. If if I looked at the screen, I think like okay, let's could be Jose Aldo. That was my issue when I looked at Jose Loreto. I was like, that dude doesn't look like Jose Aldo. <laughs> like he's that's not that's not the man, but. Uh, Anyone else have anything to offer in the Sean Ferris Award? No. I will say. Moving on. No, no, no. No, no, no. no, no. I have one. Okay. I, uh, Diego Luna. You guys know Diego Luna? That's not bad. He was Rogue One, Itumama Tambien, Narcos. Andor. Andor. Coming out this week. Narcos. Andor. Andor. He's he's 165. Narcos. He's 165. He's a little taller than Jose. Uh, he could cut to 145. He could he could buff up. 
And uh, I think he has the acting chops to actually pull off as complex a character as Jose Aldo. I think he has the best acting chops. He's a little old. Well, Jose he's a little old. He's side. an actor, A.K. I CGI, thought, baby. But I mean, about, I assume yeah. would be telling the early stage of his career. Uh, there's limits to that. He's got 42 years old. I'm just saying him playing a 20 something year old Jose, I would be uncomfortable with that. But, you know, again, I, you're right. That's uh, flexibility, right? Okay. Moving on. Cole Conrad, career change award. What would Jose Aldo do if you weren't a fighter? I think this is going to be our quickest award. Yeah. One, because for me, it was very hard to see him as anything other than a fighter. And so I defaulted to the answer that is the stock answer of he'd play football. That's, yeah. That was his first thing. Does anyone have anything other than footballer here? Ooh, Steven does have something other than footballer. Steven, please. I would, I would say number one, a burger entrepreneur, because he's already that. Right, a a a, 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 a a chain operator of some of the finest burgers in, in all of Brazil, um, or a, a, a greeter slash salesman at Men's Warehouse. Oh, I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like that. That one's a good one. I love that one. You know, you, if someone was just making that sound next to me every time I tried on a yeah. suit, I, I would one hundred percent buy it. Somebody I could buy that one on. <laughs> just you know you have to have enthusiasm for the product when you're doing retail and there is no one that had more enthusiasm than that man oh i I think like uh football players uh the obvious answer Mm -hmm. but that's not something uh that's that's not easy he's he's got talents if if you 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 can find on youtube uh him playing like one of those year-end star games when he was playing against neymar and just uh Pulled a, a a crazy stunt against Neymar, like the Neymar, and uh, <laughs> the Neymar. but I, th- I think like it would, it would be hard for him to make a career out of soccer as well. It's it's not easy. A lot of I think every kid in Brazil wants to be a, a soccer player, and ninety nine point nine percent of them fail. So I think it it wouldn't be like a, a nice story. I think it would be, probably have like a, a regular job because uh, he came from. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm gonna ruin this. <laughs> like his 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 family foundations, like they were really poor, and I think just we just like in working construction or stuff like that. He wouldn't have a good life if it wasn't for fighting. No, no, no. He would be a, a salesman and greeter at a suit, at a, at a suit store. That is we, great. Yes, yeah, yes. I think that's the right answer. That is I great. That's Stephen correctly chose the answer for this category. <laughs> Guillermo, yes. real quick, I have three very <laughs> quick questions that are very important. Probably, probably the most yes. important questions that will be asked all day. Uh, what, yeah, I know one, have you eaten the Jose Aldo burger? Two, is it good? Yes. Three, is that like a popular restaurant slash chain? Like, is it a chain at this point? Yes, yes, and no. They're, they're good, but they're not like, oh man, they're the best in, in Brazil. Uh, they, they, they have like... I don't know how many uh, burger joints they have. He has right burger uh, shops that he has right now, but uh, I haven't been there in a while because I don't live in Rio. I live in Niterói. It's a city like across the bridge. Like if I if I live in Brooklyn, sure. No, it's a different city, but just a, a bridge away from Rio. But and but there's like have, cha- there's like a couple of them. Some. There's like it's like a chain. Not here in Niterói. Oh, no, okay. in Rio. In, in Rio, in, in Rio, he has he had like last time I checked, there were like six or something Jeez. like that six uh, but uh so, yeah yeah there's a lot i think the 
he gets money from it. What's it called? But it's it's not a uh, uh, famous burger. Famous burger. Yeah, they're they're good, but they are not like super popular. Name we need, but they're good. Name yeah. needs something. We need a little more from the name. Famous burger. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's Scarface not, burger or something. Right? Maybe like what do we? Goat burger. Goat yeah. burger. I don't know if that's. Burger. I don't know if that's where I want to go. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. King of Rio burger. You, something like that. Uh, no one calls him uh, Scarface burger. King, maybe something like that. That sounds actionable. And yes. No, no, but he can he can get the photo with with the crown from the geese photo with the crown. Burger King is perfect. Everything works it. out. It's better than Goat it. Burger. I regret saying Goat Burger. The maybe minute I said maybe it. that's where he gives the, the crown. It's, I mean, <laughs> that would be perfect. You just give crowns out. Yeah. He can give crowns out to the children. That's not actionable. I think it's time to go there. Second to last award. The last real award, the Phil Baroni, I'm the best ever award it's for the peak of Jose Aldo's career. What is the A-plus number one moment? Where was he at the height of his powers? However you want. What's the top, top moment? Does anyone particularly want to go first here? No. Cool. I'll go first. Uh, I, have, I have two. I have the moment that I believe is actually true, and I have the moment that is in my heart. The moment that is actually true that I would believe is it, it is when he KOs Chad Mendez and jumps into the crowd. I don't, I, I, I mean, the second Mendez win, how, whatever, he still has plenty more wins. I don't think it gets bigger than when he becomes crowned King of Rio. But I will say, for me personally, the moment that I could not have loved this man anymore was when Conor McGregor jumps the fence and gets into his face and is screaming at him. And Jose Aldo is just sitting cage side and he is laughing. <laughs> he is just laughing at this lunatic who the rest of the world is terrified of. And at that moment in time, I was like, Jose is going to kill him. And that's the hardest dude that's ever lived because Conor McGregor is a crazy person. And if he was staring me in the face and screaming, I would be curling up into the fetal position. And Jose Aldo is laughing at him. And that will forever be the happiest moment of his career for me. But I do think being the king of Rio is probably the objectively correct answer. That was yeah, like a Seaver fight, right? I believe that, that is correct. Yeah. Um, yes, but yeah, the, you, the UFC. after Connor, yeah, it's a Seaver fight. Yeah, it wasn't the, the, the Diego Brandon fight. It was the Seaver. Correct. Because yeah. that, uh, that was the fight that was going to set it up. And then the whole Mendez stuff happens, et cetera. Happened. So, yeah. The UFC 142 moment, the Chad Mendes, the first fight. Um, and it, this fits your category the best because, uh, Jay, because this is something Phil Baroni himself would have actually done. Like if, if I mean, he, he did. Was, the, he did. He was the best ever. Yes. He he just didn't think of jumping out of the cage and running around like a maniac. Uh, he, he didn't th- jump out of the cage. So we're clear. He yeah. is running around the cage. As soon as they open the door to let oh, the doctors, right. he sees it and jets through the door. Because I, in my head, it was him leaping the fence that's how i was visioning it, it yeah. was, just running yeah he, he, just, he just saw yeah. the door open and he, just, he is <laughs> looking around the cage and as soon as he sees the door you see his head turn and then he is gone through that door uh, it's awesome uh yeah he's uh, uh again phil brony wishes he would have done that so it, it's yeah it fits like a glove it's such a, it's, it's a, it, we, we've said surreal a bunch of times during this uh this podcast but uh it, it was a surreal moment 
does anyone else have any moments to offer that are not those? I kind of had the second Chad Re- Mendez rematch, mm. or I mean, the second Chad Mendez fight, because to me that feels like the pinnacle uh, of Jose's career, right? Like the the just again one of the greatest fights you'll ever see, and that was sort of his last high point. But at that point, it was such a a high point, like he felt like just the greatest, and no one was ever going to catch up to him. So I had that, but I I, I could totally I think career. Buy that. I think career wise, that is the high point. But like the contextualization of of the just, I don't like. There are not a lot of moments I think of more like as iconic moments in the sport than Jose. I don't had. I've never seen anybody leave the cage. <laughs> they go to see like their family or their whatever right next to it, or to talk to Dana, not just sprinting into the crowd. <laughs> I also did that in the WC. I don't remember against who he did that, but he did that same thing in the WC yeah, in the US. But it's the WC is just not it's not the same. Yeah, and it's not yeah. real, like the yeah, crowd exactly. going <laughs> And it's him like fighting off the security guards who are credit to them. They're doing God's work just trying to contain <laughs> the situation in any capacity. And he's just like, and even the commentary team, Joe Rogan's like, this is insane. Jose Aldo is the security guards are trying to protect him, and he doesn't want protection. He is trying to go back to the people. It's just—it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I totally agree, Sean. Like the second Mendez is the peak of his his career from like sporting context, but man, I the Rio, the first Rio is—it's un, unforgettable. Yeah, to me, either of them work. Uh, you know, I'm on Sean's page. I'm on Sean's page as far as the the sporting context, but I, I I can easily see your argument for the first one, just given what happened after it. So, I think I think we can all agree it's either one or the other, right? Yeah, it's. I think it just has to be. It can't be any of anything else that happened. Thanks, you thanks for being part of this chat. Title. Yeah, thanks for being part of this chat. Mendes got a real Thank you, Chad Mendes. Here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the, the stepping stone for Connor Volk and uh, uh, Jose. That's tough. Man. I may ha- we may have to do an episode of Damn on Chad just as a mea culpa for for as the, a courtesy the strays he catches. In yeah, this professional episode. courtesy. I mean, we just need to do a spinoff series called Damn. They were close. <laughs> Lots of guys like that. <laughs> Holy, that is. Uh, that one got me. Lots of potential guys we could be on that. Ever. Oh, there's yeah. so many for Damn. They were close. Uh, Oh man. Sorry, that derailed me. That was really good, Sean. Well done. Uh let's wrap it Bring up. Us home, we've Jed. been talking for quite we've been talking for quite some time and I've loved every minute of it. So it's time for us to to put a bow on this, to wrap up our conversations about one of the all time greats, Jose Aldo. The final category we talk about it is uh the legacy award. It is just any of your final feelings that haven't been talked about, said or you think needs to be said. Steven, since you're the you've already been weighing us down with some of your takes of of not <laughs> pure adoration for this man, why don't you start us off and then the tidal wave of unrealistic expectations that the rest of us are bringing can close the show. I just put he's one of the best UFC fighters to ever live. He's one of the most durable, one of the most talented and most humble uh, fighters uh, to ever fight in the octagon. I, uh, we struggled to come up with strange moments outside the cage. Cause he's just not that kind of guy. I think 
you know, what I'd put under a lot of the things we've been saying, he kind of represented the martial arts spirit. Um, and it was his battle versus Conor McGregor, the sort of WWE, you know, the, the clash between those two influences in this sport, which made that, that meeting so devastating in its own way and so pivotal, so pivotal, but, you think of him as the the quintessential martial artist who was like at, just at the top of his game for so long, beat so many of this, uh, amazing people at the top of their game um, and remained kind of the same guy the whole time. That's, that's what I think of. And whatever, you know, uh, uncertainties I have about his place, his exact place on whatever list, which I don't like doing anyways. I don't really like ratings and rankings and, pound for pound list and whatever, wherever he occupies, I think he's without a doubt, just one of the best to ever do it. And, um, I'm not fully ready to let him go. (laughs) (laughs) Neither am I. Yeah. I, I, I think that's such a beautiful, yeah, if I could, uh, I think that's such a beautiful point that for the most part, he was unchanged. Um, anyone who's in this business as he has is going to have their moments of frustration. I, I you've interviewed him a bunch of times, and I'm sure people can go to mafighting.com and find old articles where he said, "Ah, he is, he's I'm upset about this and fed up with this," and and that's fine. That's that's everybody. You know, there's again, he's 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 been in the orbit of some of the greatest athletes, uh, combat sports athletes in the world. We're always, you know, he's he's accommodating interviews. He's getting poked for quotes. He's going to say things here and there. But other than that, yes, it does. And we touched upon this at the beginning the positives take away. It feels like he's got perspective on his, his situation. And he's like, this is it. This is, this is it for me. One fight. I don't have to fight out this last fight in the UFC. I know I'm done when I know I'm done. My coach is telling me, maybe we consider it. Let's have this conversation and let's go. I, I, I'm moving on to another phase of my life. I, I, I just had a child, you know, the, another child and, and it's just, it's such an incredible thing. So, uh, I, I loved, I, that's how I want to look at it. And I, I agree that we can talk about rankings all day. I have him top five. Um, for me, that's not going to move for a while. Like I said, let's look at this, you know, revisit this 10 years down the road, maybe some other names surpass them, depending how they go, you know, Volkanovsky, I don't know, Kamar Usman, guys like that. See if they, how they build up their resumes in the latter stages of their career. Then we talk about it. But uh, right now he has to be top five uh, pound for pound. And one of the most exciting strikers I've just ever seen. Uh, exciting, creative, so fun to watch, so effective. Um it really, for someone who was uh, a kind of a late bloomer coming into MMA uh, fandom, really gave you an understanding of what that next level of, of striking looks like. Uh, when you thought you knew what good strikers were, then you saw Josie Aldo fight them or Josie Aldo fight anyone. And you're like, oh, that's that's the best guy. Like pound for pound, that's the best striker in the world right now. And uh, and I hope people remember that. Shaheen. Yeah, I mean, I, I ultimately echo a lot of what Steven said and a lot of what AK said, just in terms of the way that this man approached the game. Um, it felt so pure in a way that I think a lot of, maybe a lot of champions and a lot of fighters don't sort of reach, I don't know if it's a level, but just sort of that approach. Again, it just felt so pure. It felt so genuine. It felt like this is a guy who would be doing this regardless of whether he got paid a dollar, $10, $20. Like this was just his his life's love. And you could tell the whole way through and yet, I think that 
one thing that made sort of the Conor McGregor rivalry so compelling in the moment, right, is obviously Conor is just this ultra compelling figure, but also just the, the two were such diametric opposites in the way they approached the game, but also just the way they approached life, where Conor's this big, boisterous guy. He's going to say a lot of crazy things. He's going to be super brash. And he's going to let you know all, you know, why his life is great and all the money he's making and stuff like that. Whereas Jose kind of just, at, especially at that point in time, like this changed maybe a little bit later on in his career, but during his prime, like he was sort of the guy that disappeared for months at a time. And then all of a sudden you just randomly hear about him when he got a fight booked. And then all of a sudden he's back in your life. But for the most part, he was kind of just doing his own thing. And yet he was still like at that point in time, the only UFC champion among that whole crazy list of champions, right? That whole, we, we always see the photo and the posters of like that really crazy era of GSP Anderson, Dominic Cruz, like all the, these champions in a row, Frankie. Jose was the only guy among all of them who consistently would would criticize the UFC when they needed to be criticized. I, I, I could pull up right now a bunch of different Guillermo Cruz articles on MMA fighting of him saying we need a fighters union in 2014 when that when no one was talking about that of him criticizing the Reebok deal when it happened and saying you know we look like the Power Rangers and all sorts of different stuff. He was never afraid. That was a great quote. <laughs> it's a great quote, and he was just that was who he was, right? He was not afraid to speak up when he saw some bullshit. And I don't think that that's something that was prevalent at that point in time. That is a lot more prevalent now and people take it for granted for how much, you know, fighters are willing to speak about this stuff, but it took a, a, a progression to get there. And Jose was always that guy. He was that guy from the moment he entered the UFC. And I think that that's something we haven't mentioned that's maybe overlooked in all of it. But uh, again, that just speaks to who he is and, and what he stands for. Guy, I was going to say exactly that, that that Sean just said that he was always uh, waiting to speak his mind, uh, criticize UFC, criticize Dana White directly when he saw something that he didn't agree. Uh, uh, yeah, sure, he would backtrack <laughs> a lot of the things later, but uh, uh, to to see that from, uh, I mean, the number one guy in Brazil in. Uh, for for some time like being the one that's going to represent the, the the brand because he lived in brazil and he was headlining like pretty much every card here in rio every pay-per-view card in rio uh it meant a lot for the sport meant a lot for for the fans like everybody knows jose aldo in brazil he's a he's a legend he's to 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 talk to like 40 something guys uh over the last 24 hours about Jose Aldo and see uh, like fighters from uh, fighters who are just starting the UFC and fighters who, are, uh, who never fought in the UFC, like for, for, former champions from other uh, organizations, and how highly they they speak of Jose Aldo shows uh, how 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 big Jose Aldo is. And and to to Steven, I don't think we're we're gonna have to miss Jose Aldo that much. I I, I do think he's gonna come back to to box eventually, maybe next year. Uh, right now he's gonna just relax with, it, with with his family, but he's definitely coming back to box. There's a lot of money to be made there. He doesn't need money. He was very smart with his money. He bought a lot of apartments here in Rio. He has like two gigantic homes, uh, houses in uh, Florida. You can rent. <laughs> uh, like they're 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 online for for, for rental next to uh, close to to Disneyland. They're really really big. Uh, I mean, he has made a lot of money and he was very clever with this money. So he doesn't 
he doesn't need to fight MMA. He doesn't need to box, but he does it because he loves it. He loves it, and I know he's coming. He's coming back probably next year to fight more. So we're gonna see Josie Aldo doing something he loves, something he was willing to do for a long time. Uh, so yeah, Josie Aldo is a legend. He 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 made a lot. He has done a lot for for the sport in Brazil. Jake Paul don't want that smoke. That's all I'm saying. Jake, Jake Paul don't <laughs> want that smoke, baby. Uh, and I'll wrap us up by saying I loved everyone's perspective. This is why I like to have a bunch of people on. I will take it back to, to where we started, which is when I entered this, Jose Aldo is one of my favorite fighters of all time. It, it's him. It's, it's BJ. Uh, and, and it's Habib. Like that's kind of where my trifecta is of the people who shaped me in the sport. And that being the case, I have always felt he is one of the top five guys and as I went back and rewatched the fights and we've talked about it and, and I dove deep into it, I thought his career was always going to be defined, even if he didn't want it to, in some respects, by the Conor McGregor loss, just because that being so high profile, it, it set him as the most underrated, great, great champion in my eyes. And then I realized the hell, I think even I did that. Because I think he's the second greatest fighter of all time. I think George St. Pierre is the only person who, if I got to choose whose career I would take, GSP is the only fighter who's ever lived whose career I would rather have than Jose Aldo's. It's it's that simple. He he beat everybody that was worth anything. He was the champion for nearly a decade. He took on everybody, did it in the right ways, as you guys said. Uh I know that probably it capped his stardom by never uh, like becoming fluent in English to to open that up to the market. But in some respects, that I, that's always the thing I respected about him because it wasn't about doing this. It, it, he did this because this is the way he wanted to approach life, and he did it on his terms. And that's that is what that's why he is your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. That's why everybody who ever was anything in this sport came out when he retired and said that dude's one of the greatest fighters of all time like i have nothing but respect for him that's why when he gets crowned the king of rio everyone's totally cool with that because he's is he's the king of rio he's the king of our hearts we didn't even talk about the fact that he's like one of the most savage ground fighters in the history of the sport i'll just throw that in at the end when this dude goes on top of you outside of every other skill he had he beat the hell out of people in every position and every time he's he is everything i think of when i think of elite mixed martial artists he is the playbook he's the prototype for it and that will never change so the only thing i can say is is the same thing is the reason this podcast exists is to say things like damn jose aldo is good man he he was the best in fact So thank you. It has been the longest episode that we've ever done of this show. If you have stuck with us, I don't care if it took you three different days to to listen to the whole thing. We are so glad you did. For everyone with me, Guillermo Cruz, the new king of Rio. For Alexander Kaylee, the prince of positivity and of the north. For Sheen Alshadi, he doesn't have any royal titles, but he's the best damn writer in the business. And for my personal idol, Stephen Morocco, I want to thank all of you again from the bottom of my heart. I love you all.
listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.